Welcome to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, animals, uh, insects, whatever else, if you're listening to it, if you can hear the sound of my voice right now, welcome to episode number 11 of Balls, Strikes, and Bourbon, a podcast about the art of umpiring and the pleasures of drinking whiskey. And I, I left out a group that in my, my little welcome here because I want to say a special welcome to not just my fellow umpires, players, and coaches, but those of you who are dads, and I know this is, you're not going to hear it till later on this week, but we are recording this episode on Father's Day. So um, I'm here with Josh. Happy Father's Day to you, Josh, and all my umpires and, and, and baseball family, baseball softball family out there, if you're a father. Uh, happy Father's Day to you, and, and, and you know, thank you for everything you do for the game and, and for your kids. Uh, yeah, uh, Bernie. Happy Father's Day to you as well. Thank you. Uh, it's, my, it's my first one. First one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, um, I'll tell you this: they come faster and faster every year. Yeah, and, I, I, everybody's and been saying that all day. It's yeah, it's wild. It, it really is. It's it's crazy how fast um, time starts speeding up. You know, I uh, I guess time goes fast because I measure time and in mortgage payments. And so, you know, it seems like that mortgage payment comes around faster and faster every month, you know, and, and you're uh, never expecting it. <laughs> that's right. And you look up and, and you got a teenager and, and, uh, a preteen and, and, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy, man. It really is. But happy father's day. Hope you enjoyed your first one. And, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to corral this daggum dog. Dutch is out of control. Dutch is already on a roll today. Yeah, that's right. She's in and out. Like, like speaking of of a, a dad, you know, Father's Day. This dog's like a kid. You know, in and out. Man, where's me? Out. Anyway, uh, yeah. So, welcome to the show, guys. Happy Father's Day to um, all you fathers out there, fathers, and uh, you know, I know a lot of guys who actually don't have a biological kid, but are still a great father nonetheless. And uh, so, happy Father's Day to all of them out there. And um, I'm excited about the show tonight. Yeah. Uh, what do you got in front of you? What are you What are you drinking on tonight, uh, Josh? I um, I made I made a Father's Day drink. Okay. I made a right. old fashioned. Very good. Yep. With uh, four roses, small batch. Uh, it's becoming one of my. I mean, I like sipping four roses, small batch. It's becoming one of my favorite old-fashioned uh, bourbons. One thing I love in general about Four Roses, and it's not even about the whiskey, which I love their their whiskey. They're especially their single barrel selections have such a variety of, mm-hmm. of different flavors that they capture and, and things like that. But I love the fact that that their bottles have the roses in the glass. Yes, you know That's some of these manufacturers, and and I love I mean, you guys. Listen, you know, and Josh, you know, if I mean more than more than people who listen. I love whiskey in general, but some of these companies just have a, you know, they've got a bottle and it's got a neck and they put their, their label looks nice. They put it on it and and they, they seal it and it goes off. But some of these companies like four roses where the, the bottle is a unique shape to the brand and it's got the, not just a cool label, uh, because it does have that old timey, like parchment looking label on it. Right. But it's got that, it's got the roses, the in like blown into the glass. Yeah. 
And, yep. and that's a kind of a cool touch. You know, they put a little effort into, little extra effort into making the bottle itself. You know, if you if you took the labels off the bottle and, and the product out of it, and you just gave me an empty bottle, I could look at it and go, hey, that's a Four Roses bottle. Oh, yeah, you absolutely. Know, without having to guess. And that's uh, I think that's one of the cool things about that brand. Aside from the, like I said, the variety that they have in, especially their single barrel offerings. Sure, yeah. And, you know, we've, we've kind of talked about this before, but I'm kind of a, a bottle snob, you know. Um, I like a good bottle, and my favorite bottle um, is the Bib and Tucker. The, they have a a fantastic bottle. If you ever have a chance to buy um, a bottle of Bib and Tucker, I highly recommend it. Not only is their bourbon good, but their bottle's fantastic. It is, it's ornate. It's got a lot of different uh, patterns blown into that glass as well, and it's like a dark navy blue, almost black, and uh. And and it has the simple I, I call it pirates cork. Uh, it's got the old rum cork, uh, just a simple cork in it, and it's just a cool looking bottle, you know. Uh, That's the one so, where it's kind of got the words that are that's blown into yes, the glass, and it's all correct. the way around it, kind of it wraps around the front of the bottle. Yeah, yeah, yeah correct. Yeah. It's 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 almost what you would uh, like when you're holding, like when I'm holding it, I, I I feel like I just dug this thing out of the ground, like it's an old artifact, you know. That's how that bottle just feels to me. And um, yeah, it's it's uh, speaking of of cool bottles, I I love that bottle, uh, Bib and Tucker. But uh, anyway, so yeah, Four Roses, old fashioned. I did mine a little different tonight. I u- I actually used uh, tangerines. Um, okay. And I do that from time to time, just because, uh, especially this time of year. The uh, although the oranges are are definitely, I mean, you guys keep us stocked up. You know, most of the oranges come from Florida that I have. I think Florida and California are pretty much the uh, main main suppliers here in the in the states, but uh, tangerines right now are really sweet, and so I'll uh, what I'll do is like this one. Here's how I made this one. I put um you know five or six cubes of ice in a in a mixer. Um, I did two just two dashes of regular bitters. I did four dashes of orange bitters, and I did. Uh, four drops of simple syrup and then i take that tangerine and i just take two you know they're small right they're little bitty guys and so i just take two of those small pieces out and i squeeze them i express them into the actual you know fruit into that mixing glass and um and then of course i pour in my two well tonight might have been you know i might have stubbed my toe but uh, (laughs) (laughs) maybe three ounces of uh, four roses and then a I, reasonable amount yeah there you go yes um and then i I'm, i shake my old fashions i'm i'm more of a you know shaken not stirred guy well, with, anyway. with putting the fruit juice directly in it that's more of like a wisconsin style they've yes you know they okay they tend to put the fruit into the old-fashioned you know yeah. you'll see post online people like i don't know why it's i guess it's a wisconsin thing but that they they'll like muddle the orange and the cherry yeah. with it um, yeah, see, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't, mud, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't muddle it with, uh, even when, even when I do like a, like I didn't do any cherry in this one, but even when I put like a, a cherry in there and a, and a sugar cube, I'll, I'll muddle those together. You know, I don't right. do this with, with the tangerine. I just squeeze it. Right. Okay. And then so I, it's just, just the juice. Yeah. Yeah. But I do throw the, for some, I don't know why I do this. I don't know that this really matters, but I throw the, after I squeeze it, I throw that little, two little pieces of fruit in there, you know, shake it real good. 
Um, and then I, I drink my old fashions neat, although they're chilled because I mix them with ice, but I don't leave right. the ice in my old fashioned. Um, and I don't think most, I, I think that's pretty normal. I don't know that many people, like when you get one at a, at a bar, they don't leave it, you know, on ice. But anyway, um, and then, but before I poured into my, like tonight I'm drinking out of a, a Glen Karen, which is, um, you know, it's not my normal old fashioned glass, but that's the one that first one I saw when I opened the cabinet. But anyway, um, before I pour it in, I take part of the pill, express it, wipe the rim and I wipe the top inside edge, you know, as far, you know, a finger width, whatever, you know, fingertip width. Right. And then, um, then I pour my, pour my old fashioned there and then just enjoy it. It's, it's become one of my favorite ways to do it. Uh, I, I just don't, I say that I just don't do it very often. Normally I'm just, you know, cherry, a little bit of bitters, just mix it up and go, you know, type guy. But, um, I, uh, and, and for some reason lately, Maybe it's because I'm lazy. I don't know. But I just stick with a simple syrup instead of a sugar cube. I don't know if I like it better yet, really. I, I still think I like the sugar cube better. I don't know. I really don't know. But um, simple syrup's easy, and maybe that's why I do it. So I respect it. It looks like we're both on kind of the same page tonight, because I've got right. an old-fashioned in front of me as well. Nice. We didn't plan uh, this, folks. This, no. is just, this is how we roll. I've been out drinking most of the afternoon. <laughs> nice. And, uh, so I've, I've, uh, I was, probably poor choices, but I'm drinking, alternating between like beer and various mixed drinks. And now I've, uh, for the show, because I want to give you guys the best product I can, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm drinking whiskey. Of course, it's just for the, it's literally because I care about you, the audience. I don't, I'm, you know, obviously you're my number one priority and I'm definitely not drinking whiskey because I want to. Um, <laughs> no, I'm drinking. I've got a bourbon. Such a old good host. You're such a good host. Yeah, I'm. I'm a man of the people. Uh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> write me in your local elections this year. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I, I'm, my old fashioned. I made out of uh, old tub, which is oh, yeah. man. It's in, in my opinion, old tub. So, we, I, as promised, eventually, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess maybe within the next couple of months, we're gonna bring you the whiskey only episode of this podcast and and we'll go in more into what this term means uh, i'm just going to say it and, and we're going to move past it old tub is in my opinion one of the best under 30 dollar bottled in bond bourbons you can find out there uh, and we'll go into that term more down the road because uh, there's a lot that goes into it but it's a uh, it's 100 proof and old tub is actually made by uh, uh the the uh, James Beam Distillery. Uh, it's, it's made by the you know, Centauri, old by Centauri Company, and and it's it's made by the same people that make Jim Beam, and it's uh, it's it's phenomenal as a. I'll sip it from time to time, um, but it's definitely one of my go tos if I'm going to mix something, especially like a uh, New York sour whiskey sour or or a. Uh, uh, old fashioned because it is a higher proof and it's still got a lot of flavors in it. Um, so I can, I can, you know, I'm diluting it. Obviously you make an old fashioned, you're diluting it with sugar and, and bitters and whatnot. And, and so having a little higher proof kind of brings the whiskey back to the front of the drink. Um, and I do mine. I, I did mine. So I'm the opposite with my old fashions than you. And, and like you said, the bars, I think there's two schools of thought. There's make the old fashioned chilled and serve it neat or make it without ice. And then, serve it all over ice that's typically you, the, 
the two people. Are you serving it on ice? Is that what you said? I, I always, yeah, I, I make mine neat. I make everything. I just mix everything gotcha. and I stir it and then I pour it over ice and I drink it with a, with a large cube. I, you uh, know, I was sitting there having that discussion as I was making this and I was like, I can't remember how they actually, like when you sit down at a, at a restaurant or a bar and you order one, it seems like they always come neat but chilled. Maybe, maybe they ask me. I don't know. I, I, uh, a lot of, like, at least in my area, they're always all, almost always on a, a single large cube. Um, you're right yeah they uh the fancy places <laughs> i don't go there very often but they'll they'll have like a you know the, the ball the ball or yeah and yeah. the whiskey yeah, sours right. are sometimes hit and miss with either either uh filled or, or on ice but yeah, old fashioned you know i think i think i had that wrong i think you're right they they serve them on ice on yes i think you're right they serve them chill yeah um but i take so i took uh i used demerara syrup instead of uh Simple syrup, not always, but I, I have both. I use Demerara tonight, and don't yeah. ask me the huge differences because I've had a few drinks and uh, Demerara I know is a a little richer of a syrup. Uh, it's a little different, little different sweetness. It's not sweeter or less sweet. It's just a different kind of flavor to it. Um, it's just a different kind of sugar. Uh, yeah. I use Demerara syrup. I use about a half ounce of that. I use uh, about three three dashes of regular uh, aromatic bitters, uh, four dashes of orange bitters. A yeah. dash. I think I put in two dashes of spiced cherry bitters, maybe uh, Woodford Reserve. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, and then uh, maybe three ounces and change of bourbon. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, you know, uh, you you brought up Old Tub. I haven't had Old Tub in a while. I actually, I was looking back on my shelf back here. I I do not have a bottle. I thought I did, but that thing's. You know, I, I got to sit here and thinking about it. I was like, I don't know that I uh, brought one when I moved up here five years ago. So <laughs> it's been a minute since I've had one. But it, it just reminded me that, that Jim Beam catches a lot of flack. Well, yeah. And but it, it's, it's because not, it went mainstream. Well, and it's not... Jim Beam catches a lot of flack because people associate... You go to most bars and you ask for a yeah. well... A well shot or whatever, where they're gonna have, they're gonna yeah. have Jim Beam because it's yeah, it's, it's yeah, you know it's low, low chef. you're Our going out shelf, I guess, but well, it's it's yeah, Jim Beam's bottom shelf. I mean, you yeah, you're talking, yeah, you're is. going out and buying a fifth of Jim Beam for eleven, twelve bucks sometimes at the right place, and I'm sure these bars are getting for for pennies yeah, on the dollar. Sure, and, and your basic run of the mill Jim Beam is not typically something that I no. I will I'll drink, but Old Tub um, and some other Jim Beam products are good even there there and i'm gonna catch shit from this if there's any whiskey purists out there listening um you know just, just fuck off like i don't care like you can talk <laughs> you can talk shit about this but if you if you if you're the type of person that drinks flavored whiskey um jim beam does a very good job with their apple they have a vanilla they have a peach they have an orange um you know if you're looking for something that Hey, we're going to be drinking all day, and we're playing drinking games, and I'm going to do shots with yep. it, right? Yep. You know that Jim Beam. I like to dilute it. I like to do fifty-fifty regular bourbon, and and then fifty, and then with the like the Jim Beam vanilla makes a nice little drink. Or or you throw the Jim Beam vanilla into some root beer. Oh yeah, uh, uh, something like that. You know, keep them with you know root beer because root beer is kind of a vanilla-ish. Uh, you know, in that family, you know, yep. or, or even I've done it with cream soda or or some orange. You know, Jim Beam orange and a cream soda or something like that. Like, you know, I'm not a purist. You know, Josh and I talk about all these, these yeah. fancy whiskey brands and stuff that we like. But listen, I will, I'll drink cheap stuff with you. Um, 
all day long. Yeah. And, and I'm not above, you know, that flavored stuff has a time and place. And let me tell you, Jim Beam really hit the nail on the head when they came out with their flavored line of, of stuff. Well, you know, um, I, I'm also, I like wine, good wine. And it's the same thing in every camp. It's even the same thing in, in, in with beer, but, but there's, there's a, you know, a group of purists in every camp and people who love wine just turn their nose up at people who love or like infused wines. You know, um, you, you get these wines that taste like a, a blueberry muffin, you know, or whatever. And, and I'm not a huge fan of them, but I'm like, yeah, I'll have, I'll, wife brings home a bottle, I'll have a glass of it. I'm more of a, more of a red kind of, you know, semi-dry type guy. But anyway, but when it comes to, to bourbon, and Jim Beam does a fantastic job. But I like the, I think Jim Beam calls theirs fire, the cinnamon. Yes, yes. They, yeah. I forgot about that one. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that with the Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Um, and and Fireball and Incinerator and all those. I don't care what it is. If I'm mixing it, I really don't care what I'm having when I'm mixing it. Unless it's like an old-fashioned. I do like, I do like, you know, like a Four Roses or a Woodford Reserve. Although... I'll make you know I'll make it old fashioned with whatever I have, and I'll drink whatever you make me. Um, but yeah, the the Jim Beam fires uh, pretty good. Uh, I got a we got a running joke in our family because uh, me and my wife we we love uh, Dr Pepper and Fire Fireball, and uh, we got a running joke about um, a cinnamon <laughs> cinnamon candle. Um, the joke is, you know, talking to your mom, say, Mom, what do you think about this candle? It's, I think it's fantastic. It smells like fireball. And she says, yes, son. Um, Non-alcoholics call that cinnamon. But <laughs> 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 well, whatever you call it. But anyway, yeah, no, Jim Beam, Jim Beam, I think, catches a lot. I mean, they, they did. They went mainstream. They, they started producing a value, what we call a value whiskey, a value bourbon. Um, uh, they make a lot of it at one time. So it's very, it's very, um, I guess you can call it assembly line style. I mean, they, you know, it's, they just pump out a bunch of bottles. That's what they're trying to do is get, get, get bottles out the door. One thing with the, with the Jim Beam fire versus the fireball. So fireball is a cinnamon liqueur. Yes, correct. It's not, it's, it has whiskey on it. But then if you read the, it literally it's, read the fine print blended. on the bottle, it's not, yeah. it's not even blended. It's just cinnamon liqueur. Whereas your Jim Beam fire and your Jack Daniels fire um, mm -hmm. are cinnamon liqueur, yes, with yeah. the whiskey made by that company. So it, it, it's a stronger, it's, it's, it's not a lot stronger. I think maybe, I feel like Fireball is like 63 or 64 proof. And your Jim Beam fires like 70, 72. Right. But it's a slightly, slightly stronger. But it actually has, you know, your Jim Beam fire has the bourbon in it. And Jack Daniels fire has the, has actual Jack Daniels Tennessee whiskey, which is technically a bourbon, but we're not going to go down that path today in it. Um, it so you're going to have a the flavor situation is going to be a little different. Um, it's, there's a, there's a, uh, I told you about my uh, my buddy from Kentucky that came down uh, during baseball season. We umpired together. Right. Um, he he lives right around the corner from a place called Boundary Oak Distillery in Kentucky. 
and he brought me a couple of things. And one thing he brought me was something they make called Sinful 69, which is a uh, hang spirit, not, not technically whiskey, but they cook um, cinnamon into it with simple syrup. And oh, it yeah, okay. is, um, it almost tastes more of like a candy. And it's just, it's, it's disrespectful to Fireball. It is, <laughs> it, it puts, I never want, if I could get it down here regularly, I would never drink uh, anything else cinnamon flavored again. It's, it, you know, of, of the cinnamon, you know, beverages, whiskeys, if you will, uh, Fireball is, is bottom, bottom rung compared to these that are actually made by whiskey manufacturers. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, and, and we're kind of drifting off into our whiskey episode, so we'll save some more of this for it. Yeah. We'll, we'll talk about all that. We'll talk about, you know, like you talked about a minute ago, bottle, uh, bottled and bond, and we'll talk about the core versus liquor and all that good stuff, what all that means, and, and uh, or at least what we know of it. And then I'm sure there's people out there who are much more advanced. Than, get you know, like, oh, this is not right. Well, oh, you know yeah. what? Yeah. leave that. No one's forcing you. We don't make well, any money it, off this. Get out. That's right, and, and I don't go on uh, whiskey connoisseurs podcast when they talk about umpiring and hammer them so they can just back off for all I care. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we um, the weekend was good. We, uh, we, we, we played baseball. <laughs> we, so your kids had games, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Well, my youngest did, my oldest did not. Um, um, yeah, he played Friday night, did not have, it was not good. Lost like, out of the two games he played, the pool play games he played, I think they lost like twenty nine to to six combined. You know, it wasn't oh. good. Yeah, uh, got second to last place in the standings for pool play, but or for bracket play, but turned it around. Uh, the, the tournament was so big they had to break it up into a couple of brackets. You know, on Sunday because otherwise you'd be playing till midnight. But anyway, yeah. So they were in. They ended up getting second today, and so nice. Um, yeah, but a uh, pretty good way to spend Father's Day. And and then, you know, yesterday we we went swam at a friend's house. Actually, my oldest son, his coach's uh, house, they have a little uh, little pool. We went over there and hung out and got the bright idea for some reason at 6.30, right after we were done eating, to go to the casino. There's a casino about, I don't know, 30 minutes away or so, 25 minutes, not far, over toward, it's in Oklahoma. And, uh. Went over there and stayed out till midnight last night, and had to wake up and be at the ballpark for eight o'clock game this morning. So it's it's been a it's been a long Father's Day, man. You know, <laughs> but uh, had a good weekend, and and it sounds like you you did as well. Y'all you hung out today. It sounds like did some yep, yep. We celebrations. Did, we made the rounds. Uh, her parents, yeah. my parents. Uh, they did. Uh, I I host a, a local group at one of our bars that sings sea shanties once a month. So we. Yeah, went out yeah. and sang some old timey pirate songs, and uh, I got uh, nice and juiced up, and now I'm here. Nice. Does it, it now? Is that like? Uh, have you seen the movie the uh, the other guys with uh, Will Ferrell and yeah, Mark Wahlberg? Yep. Okay, you know they're in the bar that one time singing, or Will Ferrell is anyway. And uh, uh, I don't remember that... that scene right off, so I don't know. Oh, uh, I don't... He, he sings about. Uh... <laughs> The the woman whose husband went off to war and found new lovers while he was gone and oh I, it's I but it's singing it, it's sung in the it, it's like an old pirate well it's more like an old um, really more like an old you know uh, ship captain's like a tune. yeah 
Yeah. I don't know. Anyway. I'll, have to, I'll have to rewatch that. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, that's whenever I see your uh, when I see your your post on there about that. I always think about the other other guys. I'm like, I wonder if that's how it is. <laughs> anyway, anyway. Um, so uh, tonight topic. What are we? Uh, we gonna, are we going to talk about Empire? Or? Well, before we get into today's episode, we I posted a a Q and A on our most recent episode, and it is a uh, question: Is what is something that you do that you feel helps you to be proficient? when you're working behind the plate. And we got, uh, we got four replies. One reply, I'm not certain, it comes from listener Tom. And all he says is, Lagavulin and 16, boys. Oh, well, maybe um, he's just giving us the... Which, yeah, I think it's just a whiskey recommendation. So, thank you, Tom. Sometimes I wish that I used that to... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe pre-game no i'm kidding yeah <laughs> some of those adult Pre- yeah. uh sunday leagues you know um well when i get when i get a spare 280 dollars yeah we'll i, I will go buy that <laughs> um tony says getting reset after each pitch also working mm-hmm. the slot gives me a good look at the strike zone the catcher will have to reach for those places those pitches off the plate uh, which is true it, it, in a certain sense, you know, like we we talked about last week, you know, don't base it too much off the catcher, because if he does set yeah. up outside, you know, he could be reaching back in, yeah, and that's a strike. Yeah, sometimes but, catchers reach for strikes, so you just yeah. gotta be careful about using that whenever you're whenever you're trying to, like, teach guys, you don't you, I don't think that's, you know, the terminology we, we really want to use, but I understand, I understand the philosophy there, I understand what he means. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and sometimes it does. You know, if you've got a catcher, because we've all worked with, sometimes you do have a catcher that's likes to work inside, likes to really tuck yeah. in there under the batter, and you know if he's wow. reaching way out, that's an indicator. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but also, like you said, that's great getting reset after each pitch. I see a lot of guys who stay in their plate stance. You know, they get they get down in their in their squat, and the pitch comes in, and then they just kind of shift to hands on knees and stay leaned over. Get up. Right. You know, yeah. you don't have to take, you see sometimes guys take two or three, you don't have to take two or three steps back every pitch, you know. No. But get up and make yourself get back down into your stance every pitch. Yeah. Um, and yeah, re- gotta, resetting is, is important. Yeah, and, and, if, and it's, resetting is what helps you get a consistent look at the zone because you, over time, you learn exactly what works for you. If you're yeah. never getting out of your position, you're not learning, you're taking, well, you're robbing yourself of opportunities to get into position to practice well, it, yeah, and and we're not setting up like like there's a mark on, on the field under our feet, and right. every time we're going to set up over that dot, it's not like we're on camera on a stage, right? Yeah. And they, they say go stand on that dot. Uh, because we're we're setting up. I'm setting up a lot a lot of my my position, and I, we covered this already, but is based on the batter. A little, a little bit with the catcher. Don't get me wrong. I mean, especially when the catcher starts squeezing off my that slot. Um, but I'm setting a lot off the batter, and, and sometimes the batter's stance changes, especially with yeah. the count. You know, uh, an O two count, one two count, or one one count. I mean, he may he may move up and down. Yeah, uh, you eat a three count, or maybe one away. count. All of a sudden, he's yeah. stepping back. He, right. he wants to really charge up on something. Yeah, so we're not we're not just getting in one spot and staying. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, obviously, it's going to be really close to the same spot. But I may even I may even turn my shoulders. 
I, not not a whole lot. You 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 probably wouldn't notice. But I may I may square up a little bit more with the pitcher. I may I may you know turn my left shoulder uh, away from the plate a little bit. You know, just it just depends on on uh, like you said how I'm seeing it for one and what the catcher and the batter's doing. You know, there's yeah there's a lot going on there. So resetting every pitch is is important. Come stand stand up in between each pitch and, and then reset. Yep. Um, Nicholas, uh, listener Nicholas said, uh, one thing helps me is looking down at my feet. Often if I feel off while I'm getting set, I take a peek at my feet. I check my heel and instep and, and my distance from the catcher. And it really helps me reset and, and, and get, uh, clear my mind, uh, you know, which I take to mean, you know, kind of get his mindset back to where he wants to be. So that's, that's good too. check your, if you, yeah. if you feel you're back there, you're like, I'm just not seeing that pitch. Great. Look, we work on fields that are. They've got dirt. They've got clay. Some of these fields, I worked on a field um, this season twice where there's a very thin layer of actual dirt and clay on top of it, and you're basically sliding around. There's concrete not even two, three inches underneath the dirt. Yeah, right. And, and so, you, yeah, you, you shift. All of a sudden, you're like, shit, I'm not, I'm not seeing the pitch the way I want. Let me look at my feet. Oh, hey, I've slid. My outside foot slid a little bit forward. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push it back to open up that outside edge of the plate or, or whatnot. So that's great. Yeah, look at your feet. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then the last yeah. one, uh, user, I'm not going to say your username um, because I don't, you know, I don't want people to, to look for you. Um, just call them anonymous. Uh, yeah, uh, the, a user said, I try to watch as many of my games and go through the rule book on plays I make. Uh, and he adds, he's a first-year umpire and he loves our podcast. So thank you for that. Um, but yeah, that's great. If you're able, if you work somewhere that you're able to watch yourself and then look at things, look at the decisions you made and analyze them against a rule book or case book, uh, oh, by yeah. all means, take advantage of that. Because I, where I work, not a lot of schools are using that game changer. Not a lot of schools are broadcasting or taping right. games. Uh, we have quality baseball, but just for whatever reason, we're just not seeing that a lot. I think it's because we have so much... Um, you know, Florida baseball 24, 24 7, yeah. 65 almost. <laughs> yeah, so, they can broadcast all the time. Right. Yeah, they've got some showcases. Of, they they've got all these. Some of our higher up high schools, you know, higher class, you know, 6 8, which is the highest up here. They, they, I'm not going to say they broadcast. They broadcast from time to time. They'll, they'll, you know, do a live broadcast. They're definitely going to be on Game Changer. Yeah. Uh, and, I would say it's probably a 50-50 shot up here that you're going to be able to get some video review, and which is great. That's a great point. Anytime you can watch yourself, watch yourself. You know? Yeah, and even if it's, even if it's, hey, somebody posted a video of their kid playing a game, and, and you can oh, yeah. watch it on TikTok or wherever you realize, hey, I'm working the plate, and I can yeah. see two pitches. You know, that's yeah. one thing. You know, I primarily, you know, do high school, high school baseball now, but I have previously done up through division one college softball and i attest a lot of my former success in softball to the fact that i was able to watch so much footage i was able to get almost every game at least the home team copy of of a tape if not a visiting team uh you know recording of a game and i've i mean there is nothing will help you more. I mean, locker room, you can have a, a great post game with your crew. You can go to the bar and have a drink and talk about all the weird plays and you can see pictures, but until you're able to sit down and watch yourself work, yeah, nothing compares to that. I mean, you can, 
you can have the best evaluators in the world. I've had some, some, you know, I've been to some camps and clinics and had some very good evaluators who are, you know, very high up in, in various, you know, organizations, but nothing will trade off being able to look at yourself and go, okay, I know what I was doing. Cause I know that's, that's me. And I know exactly what I was doing and here's what I could do to change it and, yeah. and do better. So, um, if you get a chance to watch yourself work, do it. Um, I've watched some, some games with, with some clips and stuff of you working, um, Yep. You and me earlier this week were watching Justin work. Yep. Yep. Um, so yeah, if you get a chance, if 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 you find out one of your schools is broadcasting something, uh, do it. Like I said, down here, a lot of the a lot of the stuff is the you know, we've got so many showcases and perfect game and this and that that these kids are getting. There's so much tape going around that the high schools, a lot of them don't just don't. Nothing's broadcast. Nothing's on Game Changer because they know these kids are going to get to watch themselves in their showcase or whatnot, but you know, take advantage of it if you have it. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of like, um, whenever I go and listen to one of our podcasts, um, I'm a terrible fan of myself. I'm not a fan of myself. Like I don't like listening to myself on, on audio. And sometimes I just don't like watching myself on, uh, like I'll start watching myself on power. I'm like, I just don't want to watch this right now. And, and I, I know there's guys out there who just don't like watching them them themselves on video, you know, work, watching themselves work. But um, and I totally get that. I, mean, I don't know why. It's kind of weird, but I, I guess maybe it's not that weird. But anyway, um, but be a be your toughest critic. Um, be you know, carve out some time and and hell, I mean, even if you if it's a two hour game, and I get it. You, who wants to go back and rewatch a two hour game? that doesn't matter to you really that much other than trying to, but think about the game that you, you worked, go back and watch some of those, you know, when you were getting your ass chewed about your strikes or go back and watch that, that half inning and, and, yeah. and just, you know, or man, that was a close play to play. Go watch yourself, how you worked that play to play. And uh, if you've you been know. umpiring enough, you kind of get a feel for, for yeah. time, you know, you know, Hey, we worked a, we're working a three man game and we had a, but I felt like somebody missed a cue on a rotation in roughly the fifth inning, okay, we got the game tape back. It's two and a half hours, so maybe fifth inning was somewhere around the one forty-five mark. You yeah. know, you know where to look for for what may have have, have happened. So you know, keep learn to kind of keep that in your back of your mind too, as things happen throughout the game. Yeah, and if you're Jeff Gosley, you can just watch Sports Center Top Ten. Yeah, and, uh, <laughs> some guy was arguing with him on on Facebook the other day, and he he. Uh, he did. He did the best flex I've seen in a while. He just he just pulled up a, a Sports Center clip of him making a call at the plate. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it just cracks uh, me up when people are arguing with that guy, him or or uh, Travis Carlson or any of those guys. <laughs> yeah. Jeff Head, they're out there working, you know, regional, super regionals, cultural series, and all that. And they're sitting there arguing with those guys on Facebook. Anyway, just cracks me up. This guy's this guy's making more in one game than you probably made the whole season. <laughs> yeah, and, and those guys and Jeff and Travis and and Jeff. Oh, they're some of the most down to earth. Like, oh, and they handle it well. On, so yeah. I don't know how they handle that. Well, I'd be like, if I, especially if I had those guys' credentials, you know, I'd be like, just, I don't know. And I, I, I say that I probably wouldn't, but I would want to. And they may want to. I'm sure they do. They probably just want to just like, hey, uh. Check this out, you know. This you is do know who I me. am, right? This is me in the College World Series last year. Anyway, yes, it's, it just cracks me up. I, I get a good chuckle when I see guys trying to flex on on those guys, and then all of a sudden you see a you know ESPN clip. <laughs> uh, 
That's uh, good stuff. Always, always yeah. a good time. But right, uh, let's get into it. Or is there another yeah. one? No, no, that's it. Right. So right. four. Um, what, our what topic we today, about? we're going to talk about uh, substitutions, conferences, and and lineup card management. Kind of the, you know, this is still about you know duties of the home plate umpire. We've had a couple of episodes now about working the plate, but this is solely about the let's call it the administrative side yeah. of of working the plate in game. Not you know, not talking about like we discussed, you know. You know, pregame, all that stuff. We're not talking about that. It's in-game. The, yes, the paperwork. In, yeah, the administri- administrative side of, of, of being a home plate umpire. Yeah, I mean, whenever, and for those who are listening that, that don't really umpire or know a whole lot about umpiring, I mean, you'll see umpires, especially, you know, in the, in the major leagues, and even if you're at your uh, kid's high school game, you'll see umpire in their, the, the plate umpire, and they're usually in their shirt pocket. Uh, they'll have a, a book or at least some pieces of paper and a pen, and and those that's a pretty important part of the game. It's actually, I mean, it's it's probably if it's not the most important, it's second, right? I mean, it's it's very important how that piece of paper or those two pieces of paper how they're managed and how they're how they're um, um, handled by the plate yeah. umpire. It's very important, and and, and that's and, you know it, it kills me. Like in in like my son's game, you know these travel ball tournaments, the the umpires don't keep a lineup a lot of times, and it just it wears me out. Like okay, well we have subs. Don't you think it's important to keep track the subs? I understand that you know in travel ball, a lot of the guys you can you know you can. Bat up to eleven players, so I, I get it. Sometimes you don't. There's no need for it because they're batting everybody. Whatever. And when you bat everybody, it's free substitution. So you know whatever. But there's times when that doesn't happen. And then also, what do you do when somebody bats out of order? So those are the things we're going to kind of talk about tonight and why it's important to keep a lineup and, and then some good tips on how to properly um, manage that lineup and how to keep it clean and. Because it can get messy in a hurry if you let it. So yeah, when you've uh, you you were saying something in a, in a group chat that we have with Justin and a couple of the people, so it you and I keep our lineup cards very differently. So I'm I'm excited to see, you know, give everybody a chance to hear both of our schools of thought and kind of uh, you know, give people some variety for yeah. to choose from. So to start off, when I we we talked about a few weeks ago, we talked about a plate meeting, right? Come out, shake hands, hey. You know, I'm Bernie. Hey, okay. Hey, I'm Josh. You know, whatever. We shake hands with representative from each team. Usually, the head coach. Some, up. Uh, you know, some levels, especially if you're in a college type situation where you have a series or even you know, I see, you know, pro ball. You see it a lot. A manager or head coach will come out on Friday night, the first night of the week. You know, he'll go over the ground rules, and after that, they've got the first base coach or somebody coming. Yeah. Out. You know, there's right. because after that, it's just an exchange of, of lineups. There's no ground rules. Yeah. Um, right. but you, you you do the ground rules, you do all your thing, and then you take a you take the lineups. Traditionally, um, the home coach will hand you the lineup first. Uh, if you want to be a real stickler, if you're an old school baseball guy, uh, traditionally, no one leaves the visiting dugout to come out to the plate meeting until someone's on their way from the home dugout. Uh, yeah, it's I mean, kind yeah. of it's a show. It's a they don't want you to be you're you're in their place. You let them start everything off. But that's a here that's here nor there. Well, you hang on, hang on. From, I think that's a great point. Hang on, because we were I was just bashing whiskey and wine purist, but I'm a, <laughs> I'm a I'm a purist here. 
I'm a certain certain things in baseball are purists. I love seeing no. these guys going <laughs> off and bat flips. I love that. It's great. You oh, don't yeah. want to yeah. I'm I'm but of the when I see that. the visiting head coach starting towards me at the plate and the head the home head coach isn't even on his way, I stop him. I yeah. wait. It, honestly, it's mainly just because it's kind of awkward. Yeah. To to me. I don't know. It feels awkward. It's like, hang on, wait till the head coach. Uh, the home head coaches. Wait till, yeah, the home guy gets you. And, and no. mo- I've never had any kickback on that. I think I had one guy one time like, what? I mean, like, he just kind of stopped and kind of shrugged his shoulders. But for the most part, I think everybody kind of understands that it's well, it's, it's, that, it's his ballpark. Well, technically, until he brings us his lineup, yeah, we can't we start anyway. His time. Yeah, exactly. He can we, can, we can be at the plate. We can have a sta- stadium full of people and a home coach can look out at us and go, hey, uh, we're not playing tonight. Right. Until he has come out, he is yeah. in charge. Well, yes. well, I become in charge once I have his lineup in my hand. So Correct. he's running the show. So why are you going to yeah. come out and try and jump the gun? Let him run the let him run things. Yeah, and don't uh, get me wrong, like like I've I've done a lot of umpire training and I don't think I've ever covered that. So it's not like it's a huge deal. I'm I'm not no, I'm not going to like when I'm out observing umpires, I'm not going to mark it down that you didn't do that. Don't get me wrong. You know, I'm not it's, a, say you, it's you, purely a tradition. It's, it's, yeah. it just boils down to what they call the kinda, unwritten, unwritten baseball etiquette. Yeah. And it, it just kind of makes sense. Right. I mean, yeah. anyway, I know. don't, yeah. I'm, that's one thing I'm a, yeah, I'm a purist about that. I'm a purist about the base coaches. You know, if you got umpires on, you know, at least the, the first base umpire, and if you got a three yeah. man base coaches, you should always, first thing you do, you come out, you're going to yeah. come down, take a few extra steps and shake my damn head. You yep. know, <laughs> It's, Let's introduce. Let's talk. Yeah, yeah, and, I and that's uh, now I'm all sure. about the players. You want you want to hit a home run? You want to pimp it because you just hit a 450 foot home run in a high school park. Like let the, pitchers, you don't like someone showing you up on a home run. Guess what? Don't serve them up that uh, just above yeah. the belt fastball. Don't serve up yeah, a home I mean, run. You won't get shown up. But that's I'm gonna, let, I'm gonna I'm gonna let a, uh, a pitcher you know double fist pump to his chest whenever he strikes a kid out in a, in a critical situation. So yeah, yeah I'm gonna let a. I'm gonna let a hitter pimp his home run for just a minute too. Yeah, I as, mean, as long as you're not taunt, if you're not taunting the other team, if you're yelling to your dugout, "Oh, let's go!" You're doing stuff like that. Yeah. I ain't got no problem with it. You know, and, and with both of them, you know, even like with the pitcher and the hitter, as long as they're walking to where they need, to, or at least moving towards the area they need to be going to, you know, I'll tell them, "Hey, just just go, just walk, yeah, or at least at least oh. start running, you know, at least do that." But yeah, do what you need. Yeah. But anywho, now we're getting off track. So I've oh, got yeah, the home yeah. lineup. We're, in we're my really head. good at that. Yeah, we're, we're great at. It. Um, <laughs> I, I had a really speaking of lineups. I had a really sad thought the other day about my son Ezra, who is one of my favorite people, probably my favorite person that exists. Oh yeah. Um, yeah and it's a sad thought because I'm a big baseball fan, and I realized that Ezra will never, unless something changes, never ever watch a professional baseball game that is played without a designated hitter. Oh yeah. And you know, I'm a so. National League fan. I've been a yeah, Braves sure. fan my whole life. Um, okay. Pitchers, you know what? If you if you can stand on the mound and throw a ball at me, you yeah. should be able to stand in the box and have someone else throw it at you. Oh, one of my favorite memories baseball-wise is when Randy Johnson hit that home run. <laughs> that, and yep. he, he hit one in his career, and he ran the bases like he had done it 400 times before. I liked yeah, I mean, it. It was great. Well, you remember Big Sexy. Bartolo oh, yeah. Colon. Yeah. I remember when Absolutely. he hit a home run. It was with the Mets. It, yeah. It was the longest home run trot that announcer yeah. like, this is the longest. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, something about pitchers the hitting is. Oh, and yeah. the thing is, you know, baseball has become so stat focused at the professional level, you know, uh, launch angle and all this. You know, 
pitchers, the small ball is is a thing that started to become less and less of a focus. So pitchers hitting yeah. just it didn't make sense to them. And, and then you know home runs, home runs and doubles are 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 what sells tickets. And and I get it, but you okay. know I I uh, he's never gonna, my kid's never gonna see a, a ball game where the pitcher hits. So and, and, I'm not gonna say never. A team may strategically, you know. They want to they want to pull somebody and you know like the Angels do it with Otani and stuff like that. But yeah, I must say with guys like Otani, I don't think it'll be long before MLB adopts the uh, the player DH rule. Well, because he's a, I think they're they're not required to use a DH, right? They just may. no, they're not. Yeah, right, exactly. Because I know not. Angels bat nine when he was playing, but uh, whenever he pitches, they yeah. may want to keep him in the lineup. And yeah, so, I, so I see that I see that maybe coming. I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm way off on that but hey bernie uh you have the home team's lineup. yes that's right (laughs) i have the home team's lineup and the first thing i'm looking for is i'm looking down to make sure that we have positions either one through nine or all eight positions listed right i need to make sure and specifically i need to make sure that we only have one person listed as the catcher and one person listed as a pitcher i don't really care if you accidentally put two guys in left field on your lineup card it doesn't affect me any as an umpire as far as when we get further on down the game. But I need to make sure I know who your pitcher is and who your catcher is. And I'm also making sure that we don't have any duplicate jersey numbers. And if right. we do, why? You know, right. because in a lot of people get hung up on, oh, he's got the he's, I got the wrong jersey. We care about yeah. player names. Yes. Right? So if, if I see sure that you have – Yeah, if I see you have 99 – in left field, and you have ninety nine, but it's another last name. In you know, in, in playing third base, I'm go. Hey, why do we got we got two guys with ninety nine on today? Like yeah. technically, technically, we're not supposed to. But why? Oh well, uh, he his jersey got messed up during BP, so he yeah. had to borrow something. Well, now we have to really make sure. Hey, if we're changing these two guys, we got to yeah. pay attention to names, who the player is, yeah. um, and. Once I once I verify that we've got that, we've got nine positions listed and we've got nine players or ten if we're using a DH. Right. Uh, and I want you to list who the DH is DHing for. Yes. Uh, unless we're in the ten slot. Yeah. Yep. If 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 you're smart about it, you do. Yeah, sure. Um I had one team this we'll year. That, they, yeah. I had well. one team this year, they put the DH and DH was batting fifth or sixth, and then they wrote who he was DHing for underneath it. But uh. They put a solid big black box around the two of them oh. to tie them together. He's like, "Yeah, this guy is DH, so this is all one spot." And I was like, "I don't, I don't love it, but I at least, yeah, you made it easy for me to read." Yeah. Oh, yeah, and a lot of times I'll get a lineup and and in the substitute column he'll write all of his uh, or in the substitution column he'll write all of his substitutes. Oh my I'm god, like, I hate that. Yeah. I know. I look when a coach does it. I still do this to this day because I see it. Every year, I'm at least going to see it five times. And I'll say, Coach, I appreciate you listing your substitutes. Uh, you put them in my my column. Next time, just list them at the bottom of your well, and column. You don't and I'll say, this is your column, your this is my column. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. And that's why I say, I, I appreciate you <laughs> listing them. But you don't have to do that. Uh, my rule, the lineup card needs to contain the players who are actively participating in the game. Yeah, who's starting? That's it. Yeah, if it's, you could have fifty is. guys on your dugout uh, in your bench yeah. on on your in your in your dugout on your bench, well, I only need you can't have that many, but well, yeah, <laughs> I only need nine of them or ten That's if right. you're DHing for somebody. Exactly, I don't care. Yeah, who else. No, exactly. 
we'll address that well, later. I think that's kind of a good segue into managing substitutions. We can um, we can talk about how because um, yeah. there's a way to keep it organized. Well, I mean, so we've got we got the lineups. I reviewed home team lineup. I reviewed the visiting team lineups. We're playing the game. We're in the third inning, uh, and he comes out and he says, "I, I want to make a change." And he'll say, uh, he'll come at me, he'll say, you know, he'll come, we'll, we'll go with you first. He comes out, he says, Josh, I got, uh, I got 45 Johnson coming in in the number four spot. Uh, he's going to play left field for number 26 Jones. Yep. Okay, how are you recording that? How are you writing? You're taking your lamp card out. What are you writing down? Okay. So we got, we got Johnson coming in for Jones, right? Yep. Okay, so if he has his substitutes listed, like I'm, I'm used to the, the six A schools up here, it's it's on card stock or it's a it's a you know their school letterhead. It's They've it's the printed. real deal. Yeah, yeah, it's printed. And then at the bottom, they have all their subs listed and their numbers and all that. And it's a numerical order down there. And so it's it's you know it's it's pretty nice. All right, so we got we got Johnson coming in for Jones. So I find where Johnson's listed down there in that block of of substitutes. And I, I go ahead and just put a a dash through his name, and then out beside his name. Whichever side I can write it on, he's the first substitute. So I put A. I assign him the letter A. Okay. I circle that A. And then I go up, find Jones in the lineup. I put a single dash through Jones's name in the lineup. And I write A out to the side of it. Circle. And a lot of times, you know, you'll, you'll get, hey, Johnson's coming in for Jones. Uh, Jones will re enter. Uh, we, we call that. <laughs> and, and we don't we don't we don't go ahead and mark it, but they they call that uh, what do they call it? Pro, uh, not projected, pro, yeah, projected, sub. projected but, substitute. Yep. If if you know the coach and know that he never screws up like that, go ahead, whatever, do do your thing, or just wait till it happens. But anyway, so I, I go up there and I, I put a line through Jones, put an A out there, and that means that A, who is Johnson, is in the game. And that one slash through Jones means that Jones has re-entry status. He's not burnt. It just means he's been taken out once. And so I put an A there. Now we have Johnson in the lineup spot for Jones. And every, you know, as substitutes come and go, the next substitute, the second substitute of the game is going to be B. I'm going to do the same thing. C. I'll do the same thing. And then if the starter re-enters the game, I put a double slash through their letter, the sub's letter up there, because that sub's done. He he could no longer come into the game. And I, I so like say Jones re-enters the game for Johnson. I just do a little arrow from Jones's name over the letter for his sub. And I just put the, the arrowhead there. And that's that means that. Jones has come back in the game. And then if he later leaves the game again, then I double slash his name in the line. He's done. The sub's done. That's why I go ahead and put two slashes in the sub down at the bottom list. Because uh, they're done. Once I put them in the game, I mean, you know, th- down on the list, as far as I'm concerned, they're they're done. Right? I don't have to worry about um, lettering that, that, that sub anymore. But anyway, so that's how I use the letters. And that's how I do it. And, okay. and it keeps it keeps it clean, um, and so uh, it's just it's just what I've kind of 
figured out and worked out over the years. And that's the best way I used to try. And, <laughs> I, remember, I remember coming up when I was younger, I was always trying to write their damn name down and, and my lineup cards would get so met. I mean, it looked like a, it looked like a high school seniors cheat sheet on a test. You know, it was just, <laughs> it was out of control. Yeah. 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 So that's, that's how I do it. Um, it, it may sound, I don't think it sounds complicated, but if it does, it's, it's really not that complicated of a process. It's pretty simple. And once you see it, like if I could sit down in front of you with a, a lineup card and a pen and, and show you, um, you would be like, oh yeah, okay. That makes sense. You're, so you're basically making like a, uh, a reference it to like a map key, right? Yes, exactly. Like, That's I'm going to write that this means this particular thing is a, and instead of writing a symbol, which would be, you know, on like a map you're hiking or whatever, this is the campground or whatever. It's just a, it, the, the letter stands for a name now, and you're, mm-hmm. you're then putting it in a certain place on the on the card. Correct. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Makes sense? Yeah. Um, yeah I, I keep so. mine differently. Uh, okay. I keep mine based on number, unless we, we run into a duplicate. I'm going to say jersey number, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, jersey number. So if he comes out, he says, hey, we've got, you know, what I think, what did I say? Number 40, Johnson's coming yeah. in for 25, Jones. I find, I find Jones... Um, I make sure if he has his subs listed, I make sure that that Johnson is the number that he told me just because I want to make sure like, hey, on here, you wrote Johnson is actually number, you know, yeah. 38. What, which one are, is this the right? OK, but if it's right, I take. I in a perfect world where the space to the to the right of everything is empty, they didn't yeah. write all this bullshit on the side. Yeah. Um, I find Jones. I draw a line through Jones. OK. I then. At the end of his line, whatever it is, you know, at the end of that to the right, I'm just going to write if Johnson is 25. So I'm going to write, or what do we say? Johnson was 40. So I'm going to draw a line through Jones 25, and I'm just going to write 25. I just write that there. Or 40 for the sub. Or Yeah, sorry, 40 for the sub. I write 40. I'm just going to write it there, and I circle it. Okay. Okay. For me, when I circle somebody, it means that they are in the game, and if they yeah. come out, at that point, they're done. Yeah. That's a little indicator for me. So I see that circle. So if he comes back out later, and I have 40 with a circle around it, and he says, I'm going to put Jones 25 back in. Yeah, he's got to come I, out for 40. Yep, I draw a line across. I draw a line through through that... that uh, 40. Yep. Draw, draw a line through it. So now I see I've had the circle, which tells me the circle tells me this, pro, this player, this is his last time entering, or his last time being in the game. Yeah. And then he, the line through it kills him. Then I, I write, you. then I'm going to write that, that 25 back in for Johnson again to the right of where I had that 40, or that, that for Jones. Mm-hmm. And this time I'm going to circle the 25 because we already had we already he's had 25 the leave yeah. the game. Yeah, that makes sense. Yep, and now he's circled. So then when he comes when he when I pull him back when he pulls him back out he puts somebody else in. I put that cross through and I know that he has burned. He has he has left the game and he's re-entered his one time and now he's come back out. So if so anybody with a circle on mine all substitutes and starters when they re-entry I put a circle around their number. Yeah, no, uh, it makes sense. That's why I kind of circle. That's why I mentioned circling the letter. That's why you circle I, the letter and draw the arrow. Yeah, 
it's yep. the same thing. I mean, when it's when there's a circle around that letter and there's no slash through that letter, then he's in the game. You know, he's yeah. active. And so, yeah. No, it's, whatever and, system you all have, you know, come up with something that you can understand for how to keep track of who has, because we're not in a major league game. Major league game, you just draw a line through it and put the next guy. Because yeah, exactly. You're, yeah, done. No, you're not going to. But yeah. if you're working something that, that allows re-entry, at least for starters. Yeah. You know, and and one step further with when I was doing softball, softball allows every player one reentry. At least it did at the time. I haven't done it in a bit, but um, so I would yeah, do that. I put put you in, pull you back out when you came back in. I would draw the circle at that point to yeah. tell me you've come back. You you're on your last time okay. appearing in the yeah. game. Yeah, um, but that, whatever. Yeah, system that's you even have, more important in that situation because you're going to have a you, know, you can have a lot going on there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. your own personal system, but but keep well, track and, of that. And, it, and I'm going to use the acronym KISS, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Um, when it comes to tracking subs, keep it simple. It, it sounds like it's a very complicated task, but it's really not. It's not complicated. Know your substitution rules. And then when you're tracking those substitutions, make it simple. Letters, numbers. Um, I've even, I even know guys who use one, two, three instead of ABC like I do. Same, kind of the same concept. They just do one, two, three. Something along those lines. Just, you know, I've looked at some lineup cards after a game. There's so many. I, I worked with a guy who would take up, he would draw a line from that sub's name all the way up to where he was going, who he was subbing for. And, and by the time his, his, um, the game was over, it, it kind of looked like a, um, you know, the, the, what's that, that old, Thing we used to do in, in grammar class, you know, where you got a uh, you got you got a word bank and you got to <laughs> you got to put those words into the into the puzzle. His his lineup card just looks so chaotic, like it just gave me you know it just made me nauseous. And, and yeah, and I'm like dude, you've got to like you you got to keep it. You you don't have to write so much, right? Right. I mean, just just make it simple and and. um these are questions, honestly, you know, we get these questions in our, in our Facebook group that we're a part of. And when I see these questions, what that tells me is we have a guy who is really trying to, to do his job. Cause I know some guys who are just like, okay, coach. Yeah. They don't even track. They don't even track them. I'll look at the lineup card at the end of the game. I'm like, dude, we had like 17 substitutions. Where did you track them? No. You know, they just didn't track them. It's like, they're just like trusting the coach, like whatever, you know, cool. You know, just like no, you got to track them. Like keep up with that stuff. Uh, and and just, but when you when you do it, just make it simple. Keep it simple. Yeah. And we're not. I I don't want to get into the player slash DH situation because it's a pain in the ass. And the easiest way I can explain it to you guys is. If you run in a situation where a team is using a player slash DH, just remember if the if the player is replaced on defense, mm-hmm. right? So you've got number number five is pitching, and he's also listed as the DHP slash DH. Yep. If he is replaced as a pitcher, he can continue to hit. Yep. And if whoever pitches after him is also replaced as a pitcher, he can still continue to hit. He is basically the DH as long as the only changes are 
defensive. If he is replaced on offense, however, team goes down to a nine-person batting order without a DH. That's the simplest way I can think of to explain it. If so, if he's listed as a player slash DH, and they say, "Oh, we want him. We want somebody to hit for him." Okay. Well, now that he's guy not. has to hit and play defense at the same time. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, which is so like with regular DH, um, you can sub for your DH once, or you know, your starting DH. Right. But when it comes to player DH, yeah, once that's that's kind of the the give and take of of that setup. You know, you can. You can start your DH as the as the, you know say your best hitter is your best pitcher. You can you can start your DH on the mound, and once you take him off the mound, you can still keep him as your DH. That's basically that's the the simplest way that I can explain that. Like that's the purpose. I'm not saying that's the only purpose, but that's the main purpose for that role. Right. Like like there was enough coaches who emailed NFHS board enough. You know, like, my best. Uh, pitchers my is also my best hitter in IDH him you know so he he can't catch a fly ball to save his life but he can strike people you know so that's that's what that I don't know that that's really how that went down but that's that's why that or that's the purpose for that role yeah yeah and I, I don't like to get to it because everybody everybody likes oh. to, for some reason people like to bring opinions and things into well I think this but it, yeah it, I don't care what you think. Sorry. If you you can make unlimited defensive changes and that guy continue to hit the whole day, but the minute you make an offensive change, that that substitute now has to hit and play defense. And if the starter re-enters, he still has re-entry privileges. But if that if number five is the player slash DH, and you want someone to hit for him, when he comes back in the game, he has to play defense and. Bat, and you no longer can pull him out only on offense. Right. So, hey, uh, Bernie, speaking of substitutes, um, I'm going to the bullpen. Hang on just a second. Listen. I don't know if you could hear that. Was that but a I'm... bottle opening I heard? <laughs> that was a cork pull. And I'm just I'm just doing a little taster. Uh, Willet's pot still. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's quality. It's quality. That's oh. a cool looking bottle, isn't it? That's the yeah. one that's got the, I was about to say, it's got the real the long neck and the short, short yeah. fat bottle. Yeah, exactly. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Really cool. Really cool bourbon. I mean, Willits does a real good job all, all together. Uh, really cool distillery. But uh, so here, here's back on back on this because we're, we're going to get way do off. We, on, do we on have to? Whiskey again. Yeah, we, we this week we have to. Um, <laughs> gotcha. You will hear people discuss and, and especially in the tournament circles about, well, this guy is ineligible. He can't play. He's this or that. That is not an umpiring issue. That is a right. tournament-level issue. If the right. player was properly registered or whatnot, yeah. or he, or let's say a coach comes out, you work somewhere that has a pitching, a pitch count rule that says if he yep. hits a pitch count, he can't pitch you know, for this many calendar days. Yep. If the other team comes out and says, hey, that guy can't pitch today because he pitched you know, 100 pitches last night okay note it write it down visiting coaches right here and continue to play your game that's not our that's not an umpiring thing that's a scorekeeping record keeping off the field thing 
the notify somebody after you get off the field. Notify your assigner or your your association and say, hey, there was a a complaint lodged. Some places don't necessarily use the term protest, but say, hey, this was lodged with me. They they I wrote it down. You know, let them send it to whoever they need to. Governing body, tournament director, uh, state association, league, whatever it is. Let them handle it. You tell the other guy, okay, I'm I'm log I'm I am acknowledging your complaint. Right? I'm not blowing you off, but I don't have access to that information. What am I was I here yesterday? No. Was I counting even if I was, was I counting his pitches? No. Right? Scorekeeper, somebody else was counting his pitches. There's a record of what he did yesterday. And I will make sure that whoever runs, whoever is over the governing body of over this is notified that you've lodged this complaint about this pitcher not being eligible to play today. But as yeah. far as the game itself is concerned, he is a legal substitute. He's not yet been in the game. He's allowed to take over this position as far as the rules of the game. And yeah, then encourage that guy that's to go on point. and say, hey, listen, when you get done, you call up, call up the league when you get off the field. Right, yeah. call up whoever. But as an umpire on the field today, the playing rules of the game have not been broken. As far yeah. as the the playing rules are concerned, this player has never yet been in the game. He's eligible to pitch today. For the, for yeah. the rules, we may no, have an additional rule that, that covers pitch count, but that's not up to us. Yeah, and that's a great point because I mean, what I'm heavily involved in, baseball wise, rule set wise, is of course I umpire in FHS. And I have two boys who play U-Triple-S-A. And I've umpired a lot of U-Triple-S-A. In U-Triple-S-A, if a coach comes out and says, hey, that, that pitcher's not eligible, we handle it right then. Because in U-Triple-S-A, it's an automatic forfeit if an illegal pitcher pitches. That game's forfeited. So when that happens, all I do is I call the site director over. Hey, Thompson, number 14, he's out here pitching. And... They say that he's not eligible. Can you check? Can you check his? And U Triple S A goes by outs, you know, right? And in innings, but which is you know measured by outs. But anyway, which is yeah. wild because he could throw eighty pitches in an inning and not yeah. record a single out. Yeah, and yet some that, kid and, gets a one, two, three inning on three yeah. pitches. Yeah, exactly. And you know, perfect game does pitch count and outs. They do a combination yeah. of both. But anyway. Um, and then they say, yep, yeah, nope, Thompson, he, he's not eligible to pitch today because he pitched um, three and three-thirds yesterday, so he needs a day's rest. And they're like, well, ball game, it's over. Did you just say now, three and three-thirds? Yeah, so if you pitch, uh, did I say three and three-thirds? I meant yeah. two and thirds. Well, you know, Which would three be... and three-thirds, I don't know if you know what that is. I mean, that's four. <laughs> that's four. <laughs> <laughs> Which still makes him ineligible either, either way. <laughs> um, so maybe I, maybe I need... I, I, I may just have to <laughs> not take this will it spot still. That pot still really going hard. <laughs> no, no, I haven't even I haven't even tried it yet, but uh, I may just have to leave it in the glass. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, no, so but in high school, it's you handle it totally different as an. Umpire. Yeah, there's no. Uh, I'm not going to call the state director at nine, nine o'clock at night. Yeah, and, no, you, you just. Know. It's it's almost like filing a protest. This is yeah. not. It's it's not a protest. You don't have to. You know, you don't have to tell the coach, hey, you haven't formally protested yet. I mean, once they bring it up, you just tell the coach, and, and I'm going to put it in my game report as well. But I'm going to write it down. But, uh, and I don't know that you technically have to do that. You just tell the coach, hey, email whoever in the morning 
Yeah, I'm going to make a note of it. I'm going to let somebody. Yeah. I'll make someone aware of it on I'll my make, end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But you know, reach out to yeah, yeah reach out to the league director, or the uh, state association, whatever they are. The yeah, whoever runs it, reach yeah, out exactly. to the HMFIC. Yeah, there you go. And and solve it. Yeah, and that this There's... brings us back to another point. Certain states may handle things different ways. Yeah, some states may say. <laughs> some states may say you forfeit the game. Right. Some states may say everything that happened after that point is null and void. You have mm -hmm. to pick up and, and play again, which is why it's important to have an accurate log on your lineup card. Yes. Because if they say that, yeah. you may have another crew saying, hey, we need somehow a copy of your lineup card. Yep. Because we may be starting a game in the third or fourth inning and any changes that took place up to that point are still, you know, in effect. You don't start with a clean slate. You start, hey, we've got number forty-five at the plate with a two and one count, and and the, you know, we've had three substitutions already and one re-entry, and that's where we are in the game. And another crew maybe contact say, hey, can you send us a picture of of what you had on your lineup so that we can uh, reference it and right, make you, sure. You you may call me a nerd. All right, and but I have certain I keep certain things in my umpire bag. Like I keep zip ties, I keep electrical tape, I keep extra pair of shoestrings, um, I keep safety pins. You know, all those yeah. kind of make sense. I keep if, if I keep ever. buttons and a little sewing but, kit. Yeah, I keep I have a sewing kit exactly. Yep. Uh, but I also have I keep you know anywhere from I try to keep five, but sometimes it gets down. But I keep. I keep Ziploc little sandwich bags. And here's why. Anytime I have a game that is protested, that there's a, a, a protest lodged, right? Or in this case, with an illegal pitch or whatever, make a rain delay, whatever it may be. Uh, maybe it gets postponed because of weather. I go back to the umpire room when that game's over. I put those lineup cards in that Ziploc bag. And I take my Sharpie, which I also keep in my umpire bag. I have a Sharpie. I write down the date who's playing and I keep I keep that and and it may sound real nerdy but that way if that game has to continue has to resume I can and I I can't work it or even if I do work it I still have them those lineup cards are preserved they're they're kept you know they're they didn't get you know they're not sitting there underneath my my jock strap getting sweat stains on them um that was kind of weird description anyway uh but even even if i can't work the game i can take it to our, our signer or our league president or even the umpire that's going to work the game here you go here's the line of cards where we left up you know yep and, and this is look on the back and you'll see i took notes where we left off yeah. number five number five was at bat and he had a one two count or whatever so yeah that's I, I, it's weird i do that um i very seldom i don't know that i've real i think one time last uh two years ago i had a game pitching high school game where pitching regulations came up and uh, I did that, but it doesn't happen very often, but I keep them in. I keep a couple of Ziploc bags and that's what I do with them. Yeah. Um, is that nerdy? Another thing. What? I said, is that nerdy? <laughs> no, no, but it, it, it's, it's, you never know. I, I don't keep them that way, but I, I do. I'm not uh, a prepper. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't have a bunker under my house or anything. Well, you're no, the thing is, it's 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 responsible as an umpire to say, hey, someone else yeah. may need this because. Well, one, I, I had a game that 
um, was protested and we had to go back. My partner, he, it, I, I, anyway, it was a bad deal. That was, a, that's a long story. I don't want to get into it, but, um, um, I didn't get to go back and work that game. And I, I found out that starting that game was a mess because everybody was arguing about who was where and who was up to bat, how many outs there were and all that crap. And it's like, I got to fix that, you know? And so I came up with a solution. That's what I do. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, of, of who was where and, and what, another thing we need to record, another thing that is much more likely to happen during the game, you're, maybe once, I would, I would go as far as to say, maybe not even twice in your entire career, may you come into an issue of, of something like that where a pitch count comes into play or whatnot, especially if you don't do tournament ball, if you're just doing season ball. But every game, you're going to need to record conferences, defensive conferences. Oh yeah, um, and in the high school rule, and this is this is you know, Josh and I are, with the exception of some summer ball or or what have you, primarily we, our our bread and butter with umpiring is regular season high school baseball, um, and and for that, the rule is, a team in a seven inning game may have three charged defensive conferences that uh, are for the purposes of of a non playing person. It, which is important. The rule says a coach or a non-playing person to enter the field to confer with any defensive players. Yeah, not Everybody just calls the it, pitcher. Right, people call it a mound visit. Well, no, if they want to, if they're put on a weird shift and he just wants to talk to the second baseman and third and, and shortstop, that's a defensive conference. It is a defensive conference. And it's which does affect the pitcher. Yeah, right. Yeah, it says non-playing person, which means you could technically have I've never seen it, but you could have last <laughs> night's pitcher come out, yeah, and 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 go out to the mound. Not yeah. it says not a non-playing person. They could, so someone can come out of the dugout, enter the field three times for a conference. Now, for a conference, which means they come out and have a conversation and leave. If they come out and make a change, it's not. Yeah. a conference it, it's so they're making a substitution it's not a conference yep yeah you get i mean in high school you get three it's it's pretty simple this is you get three and then one in every extra inning so it's three free is how i remember you know that's how i remember you get three free after three you've got to you've got to pull you know you gotta make a change but uh every time you come out yeah and then once um in extra innings once per inning um it's very important when a conference is made, when it happens, it's very important. It, it, I say very important. It, it, it is. It's important to record. I record the count. I record who's at bat. And I record how many outs there are. And if I have enough time, I'll record where the runners are. That way, yes. if later on he's like, no, I... This isn't my fourth conference. No, coach, it is your fourth conference. You made one in the second. And, and here's, remember, giving information. I think we've talked about this before, especially when we're talking about rules. When you start putting out all the information, it usually, you, you, I don't want to say you win, but you prove your point. So you can say, coach, no, coach, you came out in the bottom of the second. There were two outs. There was a run on first and second, and you came out. Uh, on a one-two count or a two-one count, whatever, three-zero yep. count. 
Yeah. And then you came out in the fourth and you came out in the fifth. We're now we're in the sixth. This is your fourth conference. He's got to go. And and usually whenever you can put that much information out there, the coach is like, crap, I screwed yeah. it. You know, so, yeah, it's very important to record as much information about that conference as possible. And I, I one thing you don't, at least you didn't mention, one thing I always I add to is, is the, the player at bat. Oh, I'll yeah, put, I think I said that, but yes, that's very, yeah. if I didn't, that's very important. If I get time to write all that. Yeah. And then I clean off the plate. Yep. And then I start to saunter out to the mound. And, and this isn't really an, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, as an umpire, you should always be aware of the fact if it gets to the point where you have to go out and get him, if you've written yeah. down all that information. I think we're I think we're tracking on the same thing. Yeah, I go think ahead. if yeah. you get to the point where you have to where you've written down all that information and you've cleaned the plate and you turn to go out to the mound. A conversation awaits you. You there's a chance. <laughs> there's a chance. And not always. There's yeah. a chance he's gonna want to say something to you. Yeah. I have had I had I told you and Justin this off the air last week. I'm not gonna say any team names or anything like that. Uh, it really but I had to say I had a I had a game where um I was able to it was one of the few opportunities I had to actually watch video and I was in in retrospect. I felt like it during the game, and in retrospect, I was watching. I was calling a good game, um, but he she didn't like my zone. We were in the extra innings, and he thought that I could have called some pitches that could have maybe gotten us out of there quicker. He came out. He took his trip. I wrote down what he you know first inning or yeah. you know at that point it was like the, the tenth or eleventh inning, uh, batter score position of the runners count, clean the plate. I look up. And he's just standing there looking at me. <laughs> yeah, you probably could have started writing your memoirs. Yeah, he's standing there looking at me, and I was just like, just side. And I went out there, and as soon as I got within earshot, he's like, "You know, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't have to have this conference. I wouldn't have to have this. We wouldn't be in this situation if you had called." And he started to list off some pitches that he <laughs> thought I had missed that cost his team a chance to win the last inning or whatever. And it it, it turned into an ejection. It's Neither sure. here nor there, but uh, about fa- about half the time, if you get to a point where you have to go and get somebody and you've written down everything, if you make it to the mound, um, you may have a conversation. And sometimes it's sometimes not a bad conversation. Yeah, I've, no, I mean, plenty right. of times you get up there and he's just like, "Hey, Bernie, listen, where's he miss? Is he is yeah. are all he's every fastball he's thrown this inning? Have those been outside? Because he's yeah. telling me they're not." And you go, especially. During the season, you develop a rapport with certain people. You know, I've got a coach who I know. You know, if if he asks me a question, he's and, and I give an answer that's different than his kid. His kid's not going to have a, a good time. You know, he, he right. knows he he's very much about you know. Yeah. The, the umpire says this happened. It's happened. You know, so I get out there one time. He's like, "Hey, was he missing all these pitches?" Yeah, he's missing. He goes, "Well, he's he's telling me they're right down the middle." I looked at him. I said, "How many times have you known me to miss strikes if I can get him?" He goes, "You're right." And yeah, and <laughs> he said, "He so told his pitcher you need to straighten up because if I come back out here, you're getting pulled and you're running pulse." <laughs> mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, sometimes it's I, just and, well, that, you know, like you were talking about going out to the mound. When I go out there, especially especially if I'm, you know, I know it's going to be one of those, you know, a conversation is going to occur. But even when it even when it doesn't, when I have to go out there, I walk 
opposite side of the mound as the coach. So yeah. if he's on the third base side, I'll walk to the first base side. Oh, and I'm this facing is, him when I come up. Yeah, and this is another one of those things. You know, I may actually cover this in some umpire trainings, but it's not. I'm not going to, you know, mark you down when I'm out there observing you. You know, it's not like I'm going to. I may talk to you about it if I notice it, but I walk opposite side of the mound as him. Uh, for one, I want him to see me as quick as possible. You know, um, they, I think they kind of feel you coming. But I want him. I want him. If he's not facing me, I want him to see me as quick as possible. And then I walk to the back of the mound, and I don't. I don't try to like rush them, but just my presence lets them know that it's time, right? Right. And then I want to be at the back of the mound, on the other side of his team's huddle. Whether he's just talking to the the pitcher or the pitcher and the catcher or the whole infield, I want to be across that huddle from him. That way, if he has something to say, it's very obvious that he's talking to me because he's having to talk through his through his, the players. Yeah. Yeah. And it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty obvious. And also I'm if he's on top of the mountain or on the side of the mountain, I'm on the opposite side of that. He's he's actually going to have to talk. He can't just low key it, you know. Yeah. Um and so that way if something does break out there, a conversation does happen and as we're say the huddle breaks and as we're walking away from the mound, he's walking one way he's walking back towards his dugout i'm on the total opposite side of the of the mound from him and i'm walking kind of away from him he's going to have to turn and and like it's going to be very he's going to have to have his back to his dugout to talk to me right if he he wants to and so it makes it obvious for one and then it's that way nobody can say you throw him out with his back turned to you which i that's a terror i hate that like whenever i hear somebody say like it doesn't matter where their back is what do they say anyway yeah that that aside but it does it, it just kind of makes it obvious and, and and guys if you're listening we're not um in no way shape or form are we talking about we're not baiting these guys we're just no. saying it's more or less it's it's forcing them some of these guys they I'm, like, as soon as josh gets out here i'm gonna say something slick yeah. to him yeah. well now josh is out here i don't really want to say it because he's 10 feet away and everybody will see me saying it. So in a way, it's preventing problems. And it's also at the same time, if someone, if listen, I, I've said this in other walks of life, but as an umpire, I'm not the guy that's going to go out and start problems. I'm not going to start shit. I'm just going to do my job. But I assure you, if you come looking for a problem to start and you start yeah. a problem, I'm... I'm more than happy to entertain it. Well, I'll, um, yeah, I'll be your, I'll be your Huckleberry. Yeah, yeah. We're if you yeah. listen, if you, I'm not going to go out of my way to have a problem with you, but if you, no. if you bring one to me, yeah, um, I'm, I'm the right one. Yeah, but, I mean, I'll go, I'll, I will go Doc Holiday on you. I mean, yeah, don't get I'm, me wrong. I don't want to, but I will. If I'm able to put myself in that situation where me and him are going opposite directions after a mound visit or yeah. a defensive conference, you know, that eliminates. In his mind, hey, I've got to, I've got to do more work if I want to go and say some shit to the umpire. And hopefully, at that point, he goes, "Is it worth it?" Because at this point now, I'm turning around and going back over to him, and everybody and their brother sees me yeah. doing this. And if I start some shit and get thrown out, I don't have a leg to stand on. Yep. So hopefully, yeah. we're hoping that that thought process happens, and they go, "I don't, I really don't want to." Well, I want to stay in this game. I'm just going to go back to the dugout. 
I try to ignore as much as I can, right? You know, oh, yeah. it's it's the whole, you know, ignore, acknowledge, you know, all that stuff. You know, the the was it four steps before an injection happens? Um, ignore, ignore, acknowledge, warn. Yeah, and, yeah, and then eject. But anyway, um, if I can ignore it, I will. Just because I'm ignoring it, I, I think. People will misunderstand that and, and understand that is I didn't hear it. No, 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 no. I heard it. I, I had to hear it so I could, you know, to ignore it. And so if I can ignore it, I will. And I mean, you know, unless they say the right words, but if, if I'm walking back from a, uh, especially a, a defense conference, but it's, you know, especially a mound visit and the coach is trying to say something sly as I'm walking away, like I'm going to, I'm, Especially if I haven't warned him yet, I'm I'm going to ignore it, like because honestly that gets under, and I don't do it to get under their skin, but that that kind of just that sends a message in and of itself. You know, I I said this and that guy didn't even acknowledge me. You know, I ignored you. I heard you, but I ignored you. And then you know, if it keeps on, of course, then you go to the acknowledge phase. Hey, Steve, I hear you. Right, I I heard you. That's enough. All right. Anyway, um. So that that's kind of why I keep my distance, leaving especially a mound visit. So so in in high school, Bernie, they get how many free visits before they have to pull? Three. Okay. What about college? College. Off the top, of your head. Off the top of my head is, isn't it one per inning? Well, or it's no. it's it's, it's no. no, it's six or seven. It's, well, I think in the college world series, it's seven. It's seven. I'm saying because I've been watching. Yeah, it's seven. I know. I think in the regular season it's five. Five. Just, it's, is it the MLB rule? Yeah, I think it's the MLB. And and guys, listen. We try to like present ourselves like we know everything we're talking about, but we there's so many different rules. Has <laughs> so many different rules. Sometimes we get a little confused, and and this is totally off the cuff. But somebody, I tell you what, here's what here's what we do. If you're out there listening to us tonight, correct us about the college rule. But I I think it's five. But I think we may be wrong too. Somebody protest this. Yeah. File a protest and let us know. But, well, but here's my point. It's it's there it, it varies depending on on uh the rule set that you're you're officiating under. Well not so, not just that, but the num not only does the number vary, but the 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 parameters that define what is and isn't a, a conference. Yes, there. exactly. That's because a great point. It, I didn't know if we were going to go there tonight, but let's go there. Well, just we could touch on the high school yeah. rule is is a a coach or non playing person enters the field to conference with someone on defense, mm-hmm. right? So the catcher can go out and talk to the pitcher as many times as he wants. Now, I, I may at some point say something to the catcher because we're working together, and I'm not trying to be out here all night, man. Come on, like. Yep. Talk to him between. You've been out there five times this inning. Can we? Can y'all talk between innings? Like, you know, I'll but, tell. I'll tell him no sometimes, just like I tell the batter. Yeah. <laughs> but that so so the high school rule is someone coming out of the dugout. Yeah. College and professional baseball, however, they are simply defensive conferences. Yeah. Which is any player, the defense, any coach. If the, I don't care. Don't the shortstop wants to go talk to the center fielder and they call time. Yep. And the key is and they cause a delay to the game. 
right? That's a great point. I think if, that also brings up another thing we need to discuss. But yes, keep going. If I am, we you know we we saw this. I saw this in. I was at a Rays game last week. Um, he came, so in Major League Baseball, Major League College Baseball. Let's say the catcher asks for time to go talk to the pitcher. That is a charged conference. Um, they call it a mound visit. In uh, I believe OBR it refers to it specifically as a mound visit. Um, but that is if that in any way affects the flow of the game. Now there were I believe there were two changes being made. I think it was I think I think it was Texas. They had a pinch runner coming in and a new batter. Home plate umpire was writing down the changes. Catcher jogged out, met the pitcher. They talked. By the time the home plate umpire had written the changes and signaled to the scorekeeper to point in you know, the substitutes, catcher was back behind the plate. Mm. That was not a charged conference. He didn't right. know the catcher going out there in no way affected the flow yeah. of the game. Right. Uh, well, just like, yeah. well, that's why you get charged a conference is because you've you've stopped the game, you delayed right. the game, right? Yeah. Right. So that's and and I believe the the term the definitions in each rule set for when a conference ends yes. is also different. Yeah. And I thought and so for, for high school, you brought that up. The the mound visit, if you will, quote unquote mound visit, the the conference ends when the coach or whoever it was that came out, the coach non non playing participant, once they cross the foul line, right back. So they they leave fair territory, enter foul territory. That's when the conference is over, right. But that's so not can, the case for for OBR. But go ahead. Right in a high, in a high school game, he can come out of the mound. He can he can come out real quick, and and maybe maybe they're having maybe they're crossed up on signs, right? And yeah. he just jogs out from the dugout real fast, and he gets up there and he goes, hey. Um, Remember, uh, a, a three is a, is a slider. Yeah. And he goes, and he, he leaves, and he gets halfway back. He's, he's halfway back to the dugout. He's a foot or two from the foul line. He goes, oh, shit, a three's not a slider. It's a yeah. four, because this guy has a yeah. curveball and whatever. He turns around and goes back. Hey, 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 wait, wait, wait. We're going to do four. Four's going to be a slider. And he goes back. That's one conference. Yeah. That's still all the same. However, if this is a major league game. Yeah. As Bruce Bochy learned. As Bruce Bochy learned. Yeah. Uh, once he leaves the dirt circle, the eighteen foot circle, yep. you leave the circle, the visit is over, the conference is over. Yep. And you take one step outside of that, you come back, it's your second one. And in that rule book, uh your second one of the same pitcher in the same inning from the yeah. dugout is the hook, I believe. And yeah, it is. Or it used to be. It's not. It used, that's right. It used to be. Now it's. Yeah. yeah now it's just a, a second one. You get five. They yeah. it, but, what, but here's years ago. Here's the thing, though. In OBR, um, you got to be careful not turn that into a gotcha situation. You you've got to be paying attention. Yeah. All right, Bruce. When Bruce turned around, you used to say, "Bruce, Bruce, you've already completed. You got to go back. You can't go back and talk to him because they're not technically allowed." A second visit to the same pitcher with the same batter. But that's what it is. It's the same batter. Yeah. And 
it's you can, weird. But you're not you're not you're not supposed to allow that visit to happen. And so if that visit does happen, it's kind of on you because you allowed it. I'm well, not saying the, that you you don't pull make them pull them, but you 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 shouldn't have allowed that visit. Well, isn't the OBR and correct me if I'm wrong? It may have changed, but I it think changes a, every year. I yeah. think a second visit to the same pitcher in the same batter. I believe somebody gets run. Isn't oh. that the isn't that the official baseball rule? I believe, and I'm going to look it up right now. Keep going. On what I'm you're saying, saying, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know on that one. But... I believe the official baseball rule: someone gets ejected, which is why it's such a big deal to stop him, yeah, from from going out because it it actually results in an ejection. Wow. Um, okay. That that's I know it used to. But okay. they changed now. They get the five conferences. It used to be one per. They may have to go back to like a 2019 rule book before all that stuff started happening. But but regardless, yeah, I think it brings up a good point. There's a lot of gotcha situations we can create, and we don't want we don't want to we don't want to play gotcha. That's the worst game that an umpire yeah. can play. You know, just you know, I, I remember working with a guy. I was like two years in. He was like, "Watch this, man. You just watch. Whenever this happens again, watch what I do." And it's like. At the time, I was like, wow, cool. Well, I didn't know that. But looking back, I'm like, man, that guy was a red ass. Like, what the hell was he doing? He was he's playing gotcha, and that's a terrible game to play. Um, so it's it's very important when, when a, a mound, especially, like, just take high school, for instance, where the coach crosses the foul line. He starts to head back. Hey, you, you, you can't visit him. You, you got to wait till the next batter. You can't have a second visit, coach. And now, if he presses the issue, okay. You know, you know, I I think that might warrant. I don't. I really don't know how in high school how we would handle that. Uh, I think it would be a warning and an ejection for you know for that. But I I really don't know how we'd handle. It. There's not. I don't think the rule says on the second visit in the same batter that we do something special. There's nothing but, in high school that says that. Um, right, but they but they can't. I think. Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong on high school, and and I know my NFH rule is pretty. You know, high school is pretty good. High school is just think you visits can, per game. It's just, but can you can you make two visits during the same batter? I believe so. Okay, well then uh, I ain't worried about here's, it. I'll look that up. But here's so this is the comment on Rule Five Point One Zero, Paragraph One, or, or I guess sub subsection one, however you yeah. want to call it, in the MLB rule book. That's this year's rule. Yeah, it says in a case where a manager has made his first trip to the mound and returns a second time. In the same inning with the same pitcher in the game and the same batter at bat. After being warned by the umpire that he cannot return to the mound, the manager shall be removed from the game and the pitcher required to pitch to the batter until he is retired or gets on base. Yep. After the batter is retired or becomes a base runner, this pitcher must be removed from the game. Yep. The manager should be notified that his pitcher will be removed from the game after he pitches to one hitter so he can have a substitute pitcher warmed up. Yeah. So, in other words, if he comes out in a in a game that's using official baseball rules, which those of you who who umpire and, and um, work U Triple S A, for example, who uses yep. official baseball rules, if he comes out, if number forty five is at bat and number sixteen is pitching, and he comes out talk to number sixteen, and then uh, two more pitches go by, and he's like, "Hey, I'm going to come back out," you have to do everything in your power to stop him. Hey, yep. hey, coach, coach, listen. If you go out, right, and keep in mind, we can't physically stop. This is not hockey. We're not grabbing the players and coaches. <laughs> coach, if you go out, if you walk past me and you go out, you're done. You're, you're gone. And 
when he finishes pitching to that batter, he is gone. Right? So you you're you're that kid's done. Your pitcher's done. You're getting ejected as soon as you walk past me. And as soon as the as soon as the the this batter is done, your pitcher's done. Right? So if you keep walking, I'm you're a grown adult. You can I'm not physically I can't physically stop you. But if you keep walking, you better get somebody up in the bullpen because as soon as this kid's done pitching this batter, he's done. Make it very clear. Look at an assistant coach. Coach, come out here. Please stop him from coming out here because he's about to make a lot of people angry. Right. So that's yep. that's the official baseball rule. And don't play gotcha there. Be very yeah, clear. No. Don't just at. stand there and let him go out, and then once he's out there, hey, yeah. hey guess what? I'm throwing you out. Yeah. And somebody, somebody correct me on the NFHS conference rules. I'm, I'm kind of blanking for some reason, and it may be because I have that new OVR rule in my head. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly looking at, for sure, OVR and NFHS because that's what I'm more involved in, and somewhat NCAA. Um, and and you NCAA guys out there, Justin, whoever, I don't even know if Justin listens to our podcast. He he came on, but I don't know if he listens. <laughs> I, well, I guess we'll find out. Don't say anything to him, but we'll find out. Justin, if you're at, listening, I'm reading the high know. school rule right now. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. I just, I actually just pulled it up when you were talking. Book, yeah. And it simply says, uh, not more than three conferences during a seven inning game. Yeah. To permit coaches or non-playing representatives to confer with a defensive player or players. Yeah. Uh, it simply says, um, you know, obviously there's an exception, a time granted for an incapacitated player, right? Yeah, if he asks sure. for time for an injury. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, um, like last weekend, my son was on the mound and took a. Hard comebacker right to his freaking shin. You know, that's not a charge conference. You go there and check on that kid. Yeah, and you'll see in, in you'll see in in big league baseball, college baseball, and, and I do it in high school ball to an extent. You know, depending I'll walk on, out there. I'll walk him out there now. If kids, yeah. if it, if it's very obvious that the kids, I mean, he's laying on the ground, something like that. Yeah, yeah. But if it's like understand. if he's having a rough inning and all of a sudden he's like, oh, I feel a little something in my, my shoulder. Arm, I'm gonna walk out. Yeah, and, and I'm just going to make sure that we're having a discussion about his arm and his shoulder, and not, hey, co- coach, come out here so we could burn a little bit of time. And say that. that, and say that yeah. as you're walking out with the coach, say, hey, we're only talking about if it's obvious his shoulder, or whatever is his elbow, whatever. So, hey, we're only talking about his elbow. Yeah, let let the coach know the rules, like not not the rules. I guess the um, your expectations. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I, I'm not yeah, here to get anybody in trouble, about, but I'm also not here to let you get away with something. Yeah, you're not gonna go up there and say, "Hey, we get this guy down O2, we're throwing that that knuckleball." I don't even have to call it. You know, he says something like that. That's a conference. Yeah, yeah. We weren't out there checking on his shoulder. We were out there talking about the game. And once again, keep use some use some judgment. If that's all he says, that's different. But his shoulder gets bad. His shoulder. He's like, the coach is starting to, and the coach says, "Hey, you you need to come out now." And he's like, "Well, let me." Let me finish the batter. If he goes, all right, well, we'll you yeah. know, bear throw down and throw strikes. Instead. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. Okay. But if he just yeah. walks out there, he's like, your shoulder good. All right. Hey, listen, if he goes, he starts to talk strategy, keep it down, yeah. you know, keep it in or out. No, no, no. Coach, we're going to, this is going to be, this is very quickly going to turn into a conference. Yeah. You know, simply saying something like, hey, you know, all right, bud, you know, one more batter. You, can you, can you, is your, is your arm good enough for you? Just one more. Okay. Hey, throw strikes. That's not okay. <laughs> That's the same yeah. advice that somebody in the stands is going to give the kid. Throw strikes, Timmy. <laughs> well, and, and on the flip side, as as we kind of wind this this episode down, on the flip side of that, two two points or two things I think we need to cover before we close it out. 
um, the oh, sorry, that Dutch is Dutch is barged in the room. She's like, oh, it's well, time to go, Dad. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, good time. All right, so no, yeah. So on the on the flip side, of that when 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 a coach is walking across the infield. Or I really don't care where he's coming from. Say he comes from the first base dugout in between innings. And and hell, he comes into fair territory. And he talks to his pitcher in between innings. Guys, that's not a conference. Now, keep, keep an eye on it. But if he doesn't delay the game in between innings, I, I, he can do whatever he wants. And I, and I believe NFHS even has a case played on this. Um, it, it's it's not a conference. Um, so say they get the third out and pitcher's ready to go, and he's already out there warming up within the first ten seconds, and the head coach is coaching third, and he's walking across to the first base dugout, and he stops at the mound and has a conversation uh, with his pitcher. That's that's not a trip, right? But, yeah, and and I've worked with guys like trip coach. That's a trip. No, no, it's not. It's, that's not a charge conference. Um, they're not delaying the game. And and with that, during an actual conference, a defensive conference, the offense, because they're limited as well on their conferences. Um, yeah, they get one per inning. Yeah, and so if the offense confers while the defense is conferring, that's not an offensive conference, and vice versa. If the offense calls a, their conference, the coach can come out and talk to his pitcher, and that's not a defensive conference, as long as they don't delay the game. So one, so in, in the case of in-between innings, as long as they don't go past the one minute for NFHS, um, yeah, and I'm strictly talking NFHS and those, um, those, those listening, I think OBR wants that as a trip. They want that as a conference. I, uh, you got to remember, a lot of times whenever I whenever I'm talking in absolutes, it's NFHS because that's what I do. Uh, anyway, so NFHS that's in between innings. That's not a conference because they have one minute. That minute is theirs. They can use it however they want. Um, and then the same thing in NFHS. If the offense calls timeout. And and the head coach is confirmed with his batter and his runners. The the defensive coach can come out and talk to his pitcher. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a conference for the for the defense unless once that offensive conference is over or vice versa that defensive conference is over and they're still conferring and they need more time. Then you say, coach, you need a visit or you need a conference. All right, and then you then you record both of them. Yeah. So I'm looking in the looking in the um, MLB rulebook OBR. Um, the the exceptions, the things that do not constitute mound visits. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is during an inning break, a visit to the mound by a position player mm-hmm. to speak to the pitcher during an inning break. So it doesn't it doesn't have a a visit by a coach as an exception between yeah. innings. Yeah, I think I think if a coach comes out in if you come OBR, out period in OBR, it's yeah. And it may be the same for NCAA as well. I, I really, I, like I said, I definitely don't major league baseball, and I don't work NCAA. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, so um, again, 
a test for Justin if he's listening. Help us out. You know, send us a, a Facebook message, whatever, and we'll we'll clarify it on the next one, but um, on the next episode. But I don't think that NCAA allows that either in between the innings. I don't they believe want, so. But... They want that as a conference. Yeah. Um, and and the reasoning behind that, I I really don't know. It seems like to me that NFHS has that right. Like they're not delaying the game, so what does it matter? Um, so, so anyway, um, it it we kind of got off on. I, we still covered some some good stuff there. Like we don't want to play gotcha, and we want to, you know, we don't want to overstep our bounds and and try to flex. We don't want to flex, guys. I work with guys sometimes that like to flex what they know. Just let the game happen. And as the game happens, you can show people what you know. Uh, you, yeah, don't have it, to sh- you don't have to show it off. The, if there is a situation, that a, a, a huge piece of advice I give new umpires is if as you umpire, you will begin to get comfortable and, and start to anticipate and see things developing i'm not talking about plays right you don't ever want to anticipate or things like that in, in wrong situations but you, right. you start to see a situation develop where you say okay this could be we're coming up on a weird nuanced rule situation let me have a conversation about it yeah. before it turns into well shit now i have to you know like that like that major league rule we're gonna. I'm going to do everything in my power to have a conversation with you and tell you, you've already come out of the dugout to talk to your pitcher in the same batter this inning. If you come back out, I have to eject you. We're, I'm going to talk to you. I'm not just going to stand there, let him come out, and then walk up to the mound and go, "Hey, guess what? <laughs> You're ejected. Get out of here." Right? I'm not going to do that. So, yeah. you know, preventative officiating is seeing something potentially, yeah. you know, developing. And especially working the plate, you know, we're talking about, you know, keeping lineups and, and, and recording conferences and things like that. But you're going to hear things from something being said out of the dugout, you know, yeah. or, you know, especially if you're behind the plate, not necessarily things said to you. I, I don't, I know this is probably going to sound bad to some guys because I know a lot of guys are out there, God, don't let them. I, I don't, if you're in the dugout and it's no louder than anything else. Yeah. Right. I don't care what you say, no, as long as you're I'm not cursing at me. Like, yeah. if you're not, if you're not calling me motherfucker or something, yeah, I don't care. But if I start to hear chatter coming out of the dugout directed at the other dugout, oh yeah, I'm gonna go over. And call. I'm gonna call yeah. you out. Go, hey, listen. Yeah. You know, Tommy. Whoever the coach is, Dave. Tommy. You know, whatever. Listen. I don't know who it is. I don't really know what it's about. Just tell the guys. Keep it. You know, yeah, on your side. On your side. No, no talk, talk to, yeah, talk to your own guys. Yeah. His guys, I'm not hearing his guys talk to you guys. I don't want you guys to be the ones starting anything. Let's let's keep it down. Because if left unchecked, that kind of stuff will get to a point where someone says something that either starts a fight or simply yeah. just crosses a line and you have to throw them out for it. Yeah. When yeah. you could no. have simply you hear it starting and go, hey, listen. Yeah, prevent. Can you go nip this in the bud for me, so yeah. I don't have to do any paperwork? Yeah, everybody stays in the game. Yeah, no, that's a great point because um, the paper, the only paperwork I want to do is during the game, and yes. 
That's and keeping so, the lineup going. Yeah, and and I think let's let's wrap it up with this point here because I think a lot of our listeners and uh, and even you know hell the games I work we have to keep up with another aspect of the game which is courtesy runners and for NFHS and OBR it's a little bit different uh, NFHS you have to use a sub it has to be a sub period yes who has uh, not yet been in the game in any other. Yeah, I guess I should say an eligible sub. An eligible, yep. Yep, and and that sub, say you use number six to run for your pitcher. Number six is locked into the courtesy runner spot for the pitcher for that inning, every inning. Now, not the whole game. You can use six number six in the first inning, and you can use number 11 in the third inning. I don't care. But right. if the pitcher comes back up in that same inning, it has to be the same courtesy runner. Yes, unless. Unless you put that courtesy runner in the... Wait, 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 wait. What's your unless? That was what I was going to say. Unless number six comes in to hit for someone later on in the inning and is now no longer an eligible substitute. Gotcha. Can can a a substitute who's been used as a courtesy runner enter the game in the same inning as a sub? I believe so. Okay. For some reason that popped in my head, but... Again, I I had an old fashioned, so maybe I'm, I have I maybe, have never had it happen in a I haven't either. So I'm game, sitting there going, ever. I can't yeah, remember. It, it, yeah. I'm having to. Hey guys, listen. As an umpire, when we're when when an umpire is racking his brain, especially somebody who knows their their stuff, like like a guy like Bernie, when he's racking his brain, most of the time he's going to a situation where he's had that role come into play. And then, and, but there are times when we rack our brain, and it's based on what the only experience we have is what we've read. And it's and uh, that, that's a struggle when that happens. It's right here in the book. It's uh, okay. A player may not run as a courtesy runner for the pitcher or catcher, and then be used as a substitute for another player in that half inning, unless okay, there you go. unless injury, illness, or ejection occurs, yeah. and yeah. no other runner is available. Yeah. So you so you, you can't come in as a sub. If you've been in courtesy runner that inning, right? Unless, right. Unless, unless you're injury. the last sub available and then somebody mm-hmm. gets, yeah, somebody gets hurt or thrown out. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. you go. I knew um, there was, I knew there was something there. And I was, look, I was going based on what I've read. And that's the hardest for me. But anyway, if, right, so, if number six runs for the pitcher. Yeah. In the, in the first inning. Yeah. In the third inning, the pitcher gets on base. They don't have to use number six to run. They can use somebody else. Yeah. And number but six then, can run for the catcher that inning. No. What? Once a player runs for the pitcher or catcher, he cannot run for the other in the game. Is that what it says in the rule book? The same individual runner may not be used for both positions, pitcher and catcher, during the game. Dadgummit. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Once you so said we, that, I was like, crap. We're 0 for 2 on the courtesy rule. Well, no, I was going, <laughs> going, going, again, going back to what I read, not what it was. Yeah, um, no, you're right. And, and also, it's very, the, the, see this discussion. Guys, it may seem staged. It may seem like we scripted that. We didn't. We we really do suck at courtesy runner rules, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but it's that this is why it's important to record your courtesy runs. Write that down. When that courtesy runner comes in in the in the bottom of the second inning, write it down. Number six ran for F one. I I just do six, a little arrow pointing horizontally, F one, second. Yeah, and I put second. And I write I, it, down 
I do that on the back side of my lineup card. Yeah, on the back side. Yep. I, on the blank spot, I just write CC. Yep. Six. CP. You know, twelve. Courtesy catcher, courtesy pitcher. Yeah, there you go. Perfect. I, I do. I do CR one. I have a CR one column and a CR two column. That's and kind of the same concept. Yeah. Uh, these are the courtesy runners for for F one, and these are the courtesy runners for F two. Yeah. yeah, and so it's very important to record that because, as you can tell from our conversation, um, it, it does get complicated. And it's very important. You know, we were talking about player DH a minute ago. Um, when when you have a player DH situation, yes, this is a good, good, and, good catch. That, I didn't even think to bring this up. Yeah, and and the pitcher is still, although he's the he, he's the pitcher of record, he's still pitching. But he's also the DH. You, you can't courtesy run for that guy. When he reaches base, the pitcher is not on base. No, the, the DH is. is on base. Exactly. So no courtesy run for that guy. Right. And so it's very important to remember. And so whenever I have that situation, whenever I flip my card over and I'm writing down CR1, CR2, then I also write down, you know, I put a V for visits. Although I guess I should put a C for conferences because it's not just about visits. Anyway. If I ha- if if I have a pitcher who's the player DH, I put pr- I, I put some parentheses there, and I put starting pitcher. Or I mean, uh, excuse me, no, don't. Besides CR one, I put uh, DH. He's the DH for that, and so that way I can remember when I go to record. Hey, I got to make sure they're not cursing for the for the starting pitcher because the starting pitcher when he's in the the player DH spot, he does not get a courtesy runner. Yes. Yep. Now, 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 now if once they once they bring in a new uh, a relief pitcher, and they keep the starting pitcher in as the DH, we don't have to worry about it because that relief pitcher is not going to bat, and we don't have to, right. You know, we don't. Yeah. And so, or if a, a situation comes up where they say, you know, we've got it, we've got a new pitcher coming in, which which you know, we keep the original DH. Yeah. Um, but now we he's thrown three or four innings and he says, Hey, I want I actually want this kid to hit. Once yeah. he once he starts to hit for himself and they burn that DH spot and yeah. now the pitcher spot is hitting for himself, now that player yeah. is L because he is not a pitcher he's not DH. DH. Yeah. He is simply the pitcher, pitcher. hitting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, exactly. That's a good good point. All right. Well, I mean, we've spent a little over two hours. Yep. Actually a little, little under. Little under. Okay. Well, yep. nice. So, um, Bernie, again, happy Father's Day. Thank you. You uh, as well, sir. Yeah. If there's something we didn't cover here, uh, let us know. Uh, Bernie's fixing to give you the, the spill on how to, yep. to reach us. And 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 me and Bernie are uh, – Bernie's a moderator. I'm a I'm an admin, so basically I'm Bernie's boss. No, I'm kidding. That's, I, get, that's, I get paid very well. <laughs> that's right. Um, and if you – hey, if you do a good job next week – we're, we actually are considering doubling your pay. Wow. And I don't know if you know math very well, but two times zero. Two times zero. That's double, that's double of zero, which yeah. is zero. <laughs> two zero. No, uh, we're, 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 we're part of a uh, NFHS umpire page, and um, you can reach us there. Um, you, listen, you can always reach out to me, Messenger, on Facebook. Um, I'm not going to promise that I will get to you like i found i saw a message the other day that uh was from may and so yeah i apologize I'm, for that i'm um don't get me wrong 
I'm all about it, but you know, I have a life and so. Yeah, I'm I'm uh I'm not as active in the group as Josh is. I'm very active in we have a group chat with the moderators. I'm in the I'm in the group chat, but I, Yeah, I'm more active in that in that than I am the group, I think. Yeah, I'm not that's very a, that's, a, that's a fun uh, little group chat. Hit and miss if I'm gonna uh uh Yeah be involved in something in a discussion in the group and if you message me honestly it'll go to my other messages and i don't don't check that very often yeah but that's that's how i miss it too i'll try um, i'm not going to ignore you on purpose but the thing i and i've got like i have like notifications for for most of my like social like i I don't get notifications for that yeah i have notifications turned on specifically for the group chat yeah. Um, but everything else, messenger wise, and in Facebook and a lot of social media, I don't have notifications. No. I just every once in a while I'll go on periodically and check. Yeah. Um, Same. And um, but if you, what I do have hey, notifications have... turned on for. Go ahead. Oh, is a uh, is Gmail. Oh yeah, and, there you go. And that's balls dot strikes dot bourbon at gmail dot com. Love it. Um, I'll get that. That comes directly to to my phone. Um, and then, uh, if, uh, if, if we get a legitimate question through there, so far, we've just gotten a couple people saying, Hey, you know, thanks for what you po- post and all that. But, uh, yeah, if we, we get legitimate questions, two. um, you know, obviously I'll, I'll, you know, we will, uh, I'll send Josh a screenshot of it or whatever. We'll discuss it and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll reply to your email or, um, you know, talk about it on the show. If you go to, uh, if you, if you go online, you go to anchor.fm slash balls dot strikes dot bourbon I'm, I'm sorry i'm getting the two things confused anchor.fm slash balls strikes bourbon no dots the dots are in the yeah. email address all no dots word. Are, yep. yep ball strikes bourbon all one word in the uh anchor link that'll take us to a page on anchor which is the uh web website web service that we use to host the podcast it's actually uh, the name has changed to spotify for podcasters but the link is still anchor um, you'll find, you can find all of our episodes there. You can listen through that. There's also a way to message us through that. It'll have links to us on Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, um, Pocket Cast, and I think another podcast platform. Maybe not, I don't remember, um, where you can listen to us that way. And there's also a section where if you click on, in Spotify, click on the episode itself, there is a, a button called, uh, I believe the phrase is interactions, maybe, or, or interact. I'm actually clicking on it right now to go through it and, and see what it, it actually shows. Um, it's a Q&A. So we click on the podcast and it says Q&A. And you can see any questions that we have posted that accompany each episode. Uh, this started around episode eight, I think seven or eight. So you can look at different questions for each episode if you want to ask it. And then we can reply to it just like we did at the beginning of the episode today. Um, there's also a poll going on. Uh, that poll is in episode 10. If you, if you pull up our episode 10, which is Working the Plate Part 2, um, there's a poll that says, what sort of content do you want to hear more of? And the three options are just general discussion, mechanics, and rules. So if you want, if you're, hey, I really want to hear more about mechanics, go in there, vote for mechanics. If you want to hear more about rules, go in there, vote for rules. Whatever we're going to end up talking about all those things anyways, but we just kind of want to get a feel for where um, what you all want to hear a little bit more of, so we can steer things in the you know the way that, that a lot of people want to hear. Um, so that, that's how you can reach us, and that's uh, some way to find different places to listen if you're not particularly happy with whatever platform you're listening to right now. Also, um, 
Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Give us a rating, please. Um, you, there's a, a way you can click, uh, you can select stars uh, on your traditional one through five star scale. Obviously, we'd like five stars. If you think we deserve less than five stars, yeah. be honest about it. Um, but unless you you're think a coach, we, then we're going to ignore you. Yeah. Whatever. If you think we deserve less than five stars, <laughs> shoot us a message. Tell us why. Yeah. Let us change it. And then if we change it, change your rating. You can always change your rating. So, yeah. you know, if there's a problem, let us fix it. And then, you know, yeah. give, us a, give us a higher rating if we fix the problem. But uh, with that being said, well, we talked about I was going to say, I was going to interrupt you about something earlier, but I, I can't remember what it was, honestly. It must not have been important. So why don't you uh, take us to the end here, Bernie? Enjoy I mean, it. Uh, great episode. I mean, Father's Day, you know. Yeah, happy Father's Day to everybody. Um, yeah. It's a... Uh, you know, it's 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 been episode eleven, but eleven episodes in now, and and you know, it's been a couple weeks. And as as we we promised this back in episode two or three, we in a perfect world, we want to give you an episode a week, but yeah, life happens. And if we don't, hey, we don't. And if you don't like that, uh-huh. go listen to another podcast that gives you. Yeah, we're not. Yeah, nobody's nobody's forcing you to listen to ours. And and yeah. I don't want you. I, honestly, I don't like that kind of relationship. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to be in in a forced relationship. It's kind of awkward. Yeah, that's so, weird. That's like an old timey yeah. like uh, arranged, like <laughs> yeah, buying. No, but yeah, no, nope. uh, not good. No, no arranged <laughs> marriages on ball strikes and bourbon. So uh, listen to listen to us if you want to, and uh, turn us off if you if you don't, and and that's fine. I, I'm not going to lose any sleep over you. I promise you. Yeah. Um. And so yeah, no. Uh, take us out of here. Um. I've enjoyed it, and I'm I'm ready to go. Dead gummit for some reason. That's gonna be bothering you, isn't it? No, I haven't figured out how not to to go to work on every. Oh, oh, oh! I gotta gotta go. I gotta go work every Monday. It never changes. It's it's the worst. Yeah, it is. It is. So anyway, take take us out of here. Yep, folks. This has been episode number eleven of Ball Strikes and Bourbon, a podcast about umpiring and whiskey, and looking forward to next time for episode twelve.